0: one of them. Very close. close. Hmm. It hit my lip. Let's try another one. Um. Oh, God. Oh, that's going to be covered in oh, I'll-, <laughs> I'll retrieve that later.
1: I caught that with my <laughs> chin. chin. Don't leave that down oh.
0: there. I can't see it. I think it's disappeared right down in the safe Adam. I've
1: found in this room before, like, re- <laughs> really old gummy bears and shit that you've been chucking around that have just gone mouldy. How, how, just assume that it's me. It is always you. Well, it's mostly me, but don't just assume that
0: that everything's my fault, Adam.
2: Mr. Paul Scrivens, 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 watchers rest the line, watchers rest my watch just rest the line, Mr. Paul Scrivens, watchers rest the line, just rest the line. Rest mine, Mr. Paul Scriven's Watchers rest the mind, Watchers rest the mind, Watchers rest the mind, Mr. Paul Scriven's Watchers rest the mind, Watchers rest the mind, Watchers rest the mind, Sight Maker, Record Breaker, Island Grace, Pretty Face, Back cracking your Liver Quiver, Back Crack and your Liver Quiver, The One, The Only. Mr. Paul Grivins, 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 Mr. Paul Grivins, 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 Grivins. Watches wrecked the might. Like? Hit maker record breaker. Watches wrecked the might. Like? Island Grace ready face. Watches wrecked the might like? back cracking your liver quiver. Back cracking your liver quiver. Watches wrecked the might. Like? The one. The only Mr. Mr. Mister- Mr. Pulse, Mr. Pulse, Mr. Pulse, Pulse Drivens, Drivens, Drivens. I'm a yes, Pulse Drivens. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the New Generation Project podcast, where we honour the heroes of Hulkamania and analyse the architects of attitude in looking at the dark ages of the WWF, the mid-90s. Today, we look at the biggest show of 1995, WrestleMania 11. My name's Stuart Brooks and I'm joined today by my very own 1995 Raw enhancement talent. It's Adam the Black Phantom Wikes. Hello. And Paul Jumbo Beretta Scrivens. I don't get that reference. No. Adam wouldn't let me call him Ken Raper, so... (laughs) I saw saw that picture you tweeted. That is unbelievable. Why would you let someone on television with that name? That is unbelievable.
1: You'll make someone change their name to Mantar, but if they have the legitimate name Raper, you'll let them keep it.
2: What's even worse is if that's actually his gimmick name. (laughs) <laughs> like, he chose that to be his character. My name is Ken Raper. I'm a heel. It's gold. That'd be questionable taste. That would be in poor taste. How are you both doing today? All right, thanks. Yeah. Paul? Very tired. Go on then. A few bad nights.
0: Young, young child. Okay, excellent.
2: <laughs>
0: I'd better clarify that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Baby Scriven's has not been sleeping well. Right, okay, okay. Crying a lot. And, and what have you been up to? Any any entertaining stories for us, Paul? No. I thought you were going to tell <laughs> us about Joss Butler's run out. Well, you you, you <laughs> tweeted me, or not tweeted me, messaged me last week. Yes, uh, I did uh, while, while it. the match. Because
0: I haven't seen it, I haven't seen it, but, but I, I just kind of heard that he had been man is, is the term for, for being run out at the non-striker's end in, in that particular fashion. And it reminded me very much of a, of a game that I played in when I was probably about 13 or 14, playing in, in an under-17s match, and I was backing up. I've been batting quite nicely. Probably got 20, 20-something on the board. It's not important, but I thought I'd slip it in there. <laughs> um, but I, I, I was I was just backing up as normal, or, or starting to back up as normal. My bat was still in the crease. That's an important point to make at this juncture. And the bowler ran in and, and took the bails off. And and appealed. And the umpire was a bit confused. He, he didn't really know what was going on. He was our team's manager. I'll make that <laughs> go as well. Um, and, and so he started seeking clarification from other people in the ground as to what to do. <laughs> One of the people that he, he sought clarification from was my older brother, who eventually managed to get me given out. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't have a problem with. I'm very much, you know follow the rules to to the letter and and if if I believe that I was out of the ground I I would have said fair enough I shouldn't have been out of the ground I I would have gone but my bat was still in the ground and it was a wrong decision I was I was not happy at the time.
1: Did you have
2: words with your brother afterwards?
1: I think
0: I
2: had words with my brother at the time. It's a shame you didn't (laughs) have sort of multiple camera angles and hotspot and stuff like that.
0: Yeah yeah that would have conclusively proved that I was right.
2: Ah, Excellent Thank, thank you very much for that name someone we really like on this show Bruce Hart well yeah but we also really like Brett and this November he's coming over to the UK for a series of events throughout the country this last week I got the opportunity to speak with Matt Ward of MDA Promotions the group promoting the events so roll VT I'm here with Matthew Ward of MDA Promotions who are promoting the Pink and Black Attack Tour an audience with Brett the Hitman Hart in November of this year hi Matthew Hi. Okay, Stuart. Yeah, not too bad. Thanks yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's sunny, so everything's good. So why don't you tell us a bit about the events and how they came to be?
3: Well, I've always been a massive fan of wrestling uh, from the ages of ten uh, onwards, really. And obviously, I'm I'm thirty now, so you're talking twenty years ago. And Bret was sort of like the face and coming through um, with Shawn Michaels, arriving with Shawn Michaels. You know, it was, always, it, was, it was always a special a special thing growing up. A big fan of wrestling then okay and then it's been the last couple of years i've really got back into it and, and i've been starting promoting darts within that time as well big big events about 800 people and i've been to a lot of my partner clifton mitchell does a lot of uh, sportsman's dinners with boxers and i've been to a lot of football sportsman's dinners i just thought that nobody had really done that concept of bringing a wrestler over th- with a dinner tour i just wanted to do it I'm a massive fun really and, and just be great to meet him and, and i went to new orleans in, in april and I actually got a chance to meet him and, and caught a video for me to promote the tour and you know it was a it was a bit of a dream come True to meet him, really. So, excellent. So, why don't you tell me what
2: makes these events unique as compared to, like you say, the other sort of wrestler speaking tours
3: that have been over before? I did my research for about two months and looked into what the concept is because it's slightly different to boxing. A boxer will, will come over, it'll always be the same sort of genre, like uh, they'll come over, sign, do, do a talk, everyone will have a meal. And I thought, Looking at some of the ones that have been done, which are great. Brett was over in March, which was fantastic. But it was more like a comedy club with tiered seating, where he'd sign some stuff. You'd get some photo. You'd get like a photo with him sat down, and then he'd talk two hours and he'd go. And it reflects that in the price that we're sort of like going up to a higher grade with a meal, a comedian. It's going to be an auction. Uh, The photos that we're doing are going to be better than they've ever been done. What I could see before, we're going to put a green a green screen up showing Brett's best matches in the background. He's going to. you are know, going to be pictured with Brett. It's just going to be a hot, in my opinion, the next grade up. And there's not I'm not slanging anybody off at all. What people have done before is, is great, you know, bringing, bringing all these wrestlers over, but we just sort of like wanted to go to a different market. Kind of like people, me, 30, remember Brett when there was in the teens or, or same as me, 10, and, and just want to have a nostalgia trip, really. Not a hardcore fan by any means. We're not dismissing hardcore fans at all. Everybody's welcome, but more people that don't follow the wrestling scene as closely as they did because, you know, unlike me, they've grown
2: up <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm similar to you in that I fell out of it around 95 and I got back into it about 99 and I don't know what it is that takes you away and and, and then draws
3: you back in at some point well obviously with it with it being so big now and, and there's sort of like four different tv broadcasts and when we was when I was sort of like into it there's only one it was like a Friday night that you watched you know it was like nitro or raw yeah yeah but, and now there's so many to follow and I, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a massive fan I'm a fair Weather fan. My partner and me, um, we've been uh, going around the UK wrestling scene just lately, getting back into it, and it is a bit of a community. And I do think the people that are going to these hardcore fans are not the kind that are going to probably come because they've already seen Brett. But there's a lot that are coming back to see him because obviously he's a legend. Just to listen to listen to his stories, because you know he has got some. Some amazing stories, and obviously the biggest, the biggest story is Montreal. Do you think he's going to be happy to talk about that? Well, I met him in, in New Orleans. I don't like to I, hold on. Let me <laughs> keep, keep bending down to put that name up. I met him in New Orleans, and to be honest with you, he, he was adamant that he'll talk about anything, but he wants to keep it more light hearted because he he came over and, and one of the shows he was a bit down and that and he's because he, we have got John Gwynn, who's a, a sports broadcaster for Sky. He's done he's done all every sport there is under the sun, and he's going to be interviewing Brett, and I, I think he'll talk. About anything, but well, that's gonna be the you know, people who don't know about it are gonna to wanna to know about it. So I'm sure he's gonna to have to talk about it at some stage during the tour. But he has had a lot of darkness that's gone into his life, so to keep it too lighthearted is gonna be very difficult because the main talking points in his life are quite a negative events. He has got a lot of good things to talk about. And obviously the the one thing that British fans remember is the Bulldog match in nineteen ninety-two, which is yep. which we, we actually spoke to him about it, and he said that it was the it was rated the ninth best match in England, and if you you can tell me eight better matches now, I'll uh, have will be very impressed that have happened in England over the last twenty years. So. Yeah, yeah, I'd struggle to think of eight better than than yeah. that one.
2: Yeah, I think there's a ton of positive memories and oh, through course. Brett's career. I mean, what we're covering through our series at the minute, endlessly, he's part of the most enjoyable stuff on on each of the shows we've done. We're up to 1995 now, which is yes, where he takes a bit of a back seat, but even when he's not so prominent, he's still a very enjoyable performer to watch and there's a lot of great matches that people can you know ask him about and talk about so yeah. why don't you tell us the, the dates and the prices of the events
3: we've got five dates we start off in the 5th of november in leeds so bonfire night uh, leeds heading league cricket stadium from then we go to Barnsley Metrodome on the 6th of November. From there, we go to the iPro Stadium in Derby, the home of Derby County, on the 7th. The 8th, we go to Premiership Leicester City. Ex- uh, there we go. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Premier League bound Leicester City, record points total, record wins. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days. Obviously, a Leicester fan. Absolutely. the 8th of November. Then we finish up on the 9th of November in Birmingham's Baston Stadium. Ticket prices there's a slight difference with the Barnsley <laughs> event. Uh, the Leeds event is £100 platinum, 70 golds, and 4 Silvers. The golds and platinums get you a, a three-course meal, uh, and also the platinums uh, get you a, a free photo with Brett. It is pre- it's pretty similar all the way through the board, but I'll talk about the Leicester one. The Leicester one is, is £100 for a platinum, which you get uh, a free photo with Brett, signed by Brett, an autograph of your choice. 40 minutes mingling his company with the other uh, platinum ticket holders a three course meal and prime seats the gold ticket 75 pound you get a free photo with Brett a three course meal and obviously uh, behind the platinums with the, the tables and there is a chance to, to to purchase merchandise and get Brett to sign at a small cost as well and if you want more photos we can we can cater for that as well and then the silver tickets the 30 pound each that'll just get you into the venue just to hear him speak but then again you can buy photos and you can buy merchandise as well so the is the option so we're trying to cater for everybody. If you want to do the whole package, it's you know it's there, and if you want to just come in and hear Brett, and you know you're struggling for money or whatnot, and it's it's it is, you know it's a hundred pound, and we know times are difficult at the moment. But you know we're trying to cater for everybody here and, and trying to make sure that everybody can enjoy Brett when he's over here. Yeah, it sounds like there's a different option for what you want from the event. Yeah, if
2: like you and I, Brett's your childhood hero, and you want to get the opportunity to really meet him and listen to him talk and
3: get the autographs and stuff, then add the meal on top of that, and it sounds like a fairly decent deal. It's Saturday night as well, you know, afterwards we finished about eleven o'clock. You know, towns just ten minutes away. Just make an it It's five, six months away, so you can you can plan it. And you know, Leicester's a great night out, and it's a great venue, Leicester City. You don't know Leicester might be playing Manchester United on that day. It might well exactly, be, it might yeah, be fantastic. You know, we'll find out in a couple of weeks who they've got. Okay, brilliant. Anything else you wanted to add before we sign off? You know, if this goes well, which the tickets are selling very strongly for for five months before, we are going to try and bring everybody over. That you know, the next one that we're we're going to try is maybe Shaw Michaels. That's not confirmed or anything. I mean, I mean I've spoken to his agent with a couple of emails, but I am waiting to see how this one pans out pans out because it is going well and maybe we're going to try and see if this you know if the meals and, and everything and, and people might the way the way the tickets are going for Leicester it's, we're about 40-50% sold and we're like 50-5 months away so yeah we're 5 months away that's massive yeah massive so we've not even advertised it yet we've, we've just put a few things on Twitter and the internet and the website as soon as we start hitting uh, advertising in Leicester Mercury and, and, and doing things like this as well I do think that the tickets will, will, will have a big surge excellent brilliant thanks for your time today Matt no problem cheers
2: these events definitely sound like something a little bit different and we'll definitely be at the leicester event being as you know we can hear the king power stadium from our house can't we adam yes we can if you want to get tickets the website is www.mdapromotions.co.uk or they have a facebook page that i'll link from ours in honor of our wrestlemania main event containing an actual non-wrestler i asked our facebook page to book us some ridiculous celebrity involvement in a wrestlemania and as ever you guys delivered so i've got some of my favorites here boys let's see what you think we have Bruce Forsyth versus Bob Barker for the Undisputed Price is Right Championship. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Backland versus Zeb Coulter versus Barack Obama in a TLC match for the presidency of the USA. That's I like. Yeah, I'd pay yeah. vast sums of money to watch that.
1: I, I
0: actually think Barack... Have you seen that? Was it in Catching a Fly? No. There's some footage... I'm sure it is. Like, there's a fly around right. And he just grabs it. Like, Whoa. That guy is the coolest. Okay. And if you can
1: catch flies, you'll yeah. be good in a wrestling three-way.
2: Someone's put, does The Rock count as a celebrity? Because if so, I have some great WrestleMania plans involving John Cena.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
2: really good, yeah. Mick Foley versus Evander Holyfield in an ear versus ear match. I like. Very
1: good, very yeah. good.
2: <laughs> the loser gets his other ear bitten off by Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> Les Dennis hosting a Family Fortune skit with the Hearts versus the McMahons and Bruce Hart goes over, of course. Yeah, yeah no, that's good. Richard O'Brien versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a hair versus hair match. <laughs> I don't know who Richard O'Brien is. He's oh, the, is he the Crystal, Crystal Mage? Crystal Mage, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Someone's got, what about to put all the Hart family back on the same page? We have a Jeremy Kyle show skit and they have a DNA test on Bruce. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well done, our fans. Yeah. Dr. Evil and Mini-Me versus Doink and Dink. Yes. Chuck Norris versus Bruce Hart. Yeah, yeah any time, yeah, yeah. that would be good. I, I feel we've already got about 10 references to Bruce Hart and we're only about three minutes <laughs> into the episode.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't appear on this episode. No.
2: Oz brackets Kevin Nash versus Oz the Great and Powerful James Franco. Yeah.
1: yeah, although I've not seen Oz the Great and Powerful.
2: Bradley Wiggins versus Christopher Biggins. That would be incredible. <laughs> Oh, see,
0: see, I, I thought the Biggins bit fooled me. So I thought it was going to be against Chris Froome, because allegedly they, <laughs> allegedly they have some heat.
4: Yeah, yeah. And that
0: could be a genuine battle. He was maybe, a- maybe they could cycle around the ring in some kind of wall of death match.
1: But, but Wiggins versus Biggins is, it's, you know, catchy. It, <laughs> yeah. it
2: rhymes. Very well done. Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair and Paul McCartney versus Linda Hogan, Jackie Flair and Heather Mills. <laughs> That person's also added versus three doinks on the end. <laughs> that makes it. Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie and Rowan Atkinson are the Black Adders versus The Shield.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Big Blackadder fan.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Rod Hull and Emu attacking random people backstage. Yes, anytime. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like that Kane-Big Show Raven-WrestleMania-X7 hardcore match. I could see them sort of fitting well into that kind of segment.
0: That would be Rod brilliant. Hull. Just Rod Hull and Emu attacking Kane. <laughs> that would be TV in, gold. in a golf buggy. I mean, no, I don't think. I don't think that's translated to America. So it'd be lost on a, a large proportion of the audience. But still. For, for the people who know who Rod Hull and Emu are, that would be gold. Were, were, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I believe Emu's still with us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, sharp fall doesn't doesn't kill him.
2: Obviously, post well, I
0: this, I don't
2: think he was on the roof. He's <laughs> <You're> fixing the TV
5: area with
2: Emu. Of course, he was. Oh, uh, oh, and just one final point. I I, I want to make sure that after Rod Hull and Emu attack Kane, they form an odd couple tag team. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: I'd like to see that. As is a, is a whole card, yes.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, it'd be better than this WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was absolutely fantastic, guys. You did some great stuff there. Very much made us laugh. Thank you very, very much. For this show, I asked Adam and Paul to book their own WrestleMania card. We're going to do a bit of armchair booking now. Basically, what I wanted is, based around the feuds and the storylines that were going on at the time with the roster we've got, what could you come up with that you think would be a better card than this? I know this is internet armchair booking, but... It's generally considered the card here is very, very weak. So I thought I'd get you guys and myself to have a go at booking something a little more appealing for this show. So Well, I I
0: think this time, because we always go first, so then you always chip in, and I think you just steal some VAR ideas. So why don't you go first, Stuart?
2: Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. (laughs) Okay, so my WWF world title match, obviously, Shawn Michaels has won the Royal Rumble, so that's a lock. Shawn Michaels versus Diesel is the main event. So what I've got is Diesel with Lawrence Taylor versus Shawn Michaels with Sid. So, okay, they want to have LT do something to do with the main event, because obviously they're paying him a great deal of money that we'll cover in a bit. So, here's the way of getting him there. They already established at the Royal Rumble that Taylor was there as a guest of Diesel. He's Diesel's made. So, why not have Diesel, say, invite him back to WrestleMania after Sean reveals Sid as his bodyguard? It gets LT in the main event. He can have a bit of a fight. You would think they might get their money's worth, and they've got the celebrity coverage that they want. Okay, yeah. yeah, happy with that. I quit match. I've got Bret Hart versus Owen Hart with special ref of Roddy Piper. For me, this should be the blow-off to the 18-month Brett Owen feud. They have no DQ match on the Raw before WrestleMania, but why not do it at Mania? You may notice that, kind of be, despite being a big fan of Mr. Backland, I've not actually got him on the card at all. So he's not on, on the undercard? Anymore. No, no. I kind of feel like the Backland feud was just a chapter in the Brett Owen stuff. So what I've got here is that Backland would in, try to interfere in this match on behalf of Owen and then Roddy Piper would sort of deck him. So it's kind of having an old generation guy stick up for the new generation by battering Bob Backlund, basically. Okay. I see title match, Jeff Jarrett versus Razor Ramon. I think that's absolutely the right match to be having on this card. I've got no problem with it being there. Leave that the way it is. Okay. WWF tag team title match. The 1-2-3 Kid and Bob Holly versus Hakushi and a mystery partner. Hakushi is not someone we've seen yet. He is on the roster. We'll see him on the next show. I definitely would have liked to seen the 1-2-3 Kid and Bob Holly get a bit of a longer run with the titles rather than losing them straight to the smoking guns. I quite like the mystery partner dynamic with Owen. Though so I thought we could keep that, but have Hakushi being the one with the mystery partner. Obviously, they're teaming up because they're both Japanese. Okay. You'd get some awesome exchanges between Kid and Hakushi and ultimately Yokozuna would come in and squash people. Plus you'd then get the benefit of having Cornette being Hakushi's spokesperson, which I think long term would be better for him. The Undertaker versus Bam BamBamBilo. The plan for all the way from mid-94 through to mid-95 seems to be having The Undertaker feud with different people from the Million Dollar Corporation. So why not let him feud with the one decent worker in the group? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Obviously, Taker would win this, but I think, you know, they could have a decent big man match. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We've got an eight-man tag match next. It's Lex Luger, the British Bulldog and the Smoking Guns versus Tatonka, IRS, King Kong Bundy and Karma. Luger and Tatonka had the blow-off to their like near-year-long feud on the 26th of March edition of Sunday Night Slam in a steel cage match, which Luger won. I kind of feel that could have been left for WrestleMania. If you wanted to have them in a singles match, you could have kind of put them them in a singles match and then leave Bulldog and the Guns against the rest of the corporation as a six-man tag I I should also mention at this point Obviously, I've watched all the Roars going into WrestleMania and there is a Lex luger Tonka match on the 27th of February Raw which featured Lex Luger throwing a pair of clotheslines that had a good three feet of air between his arm and Tonka's <laughs> neck. <laughs> Bruce Hart would be spinning in his grave. Okay, WWF women's title, Bull Nakano versus Alundra Blaze.
0: See, if, I, if I'd have known I was allowed... Because I thought, Bull's gone by this point, hasn't She's she? still the champion. Oh, technically. Okay. Because if I knew that, I would have definitely
2: had that much on my card. Okay. Definitely. They actually had a killer match on Raw the night after WrestleMania. So why the hell wasn't it on WrestleMania? Mm. That match also kicked off Alundra's Next Angle, where after Blaze wins the title back from Nakano, she gets attacked by Ronda Singh, a.k.a. Bertha Faye, and receives ah. an injured nose. Oh, okay. This nose injury caused her to return with both a new nose and a new pair of jugs. <laughs> so you, you'll get to see that at SummerSlam, Adam. I'll, I'll, well, I look forward to that, yeah. Yes, I appreciate this is the exact same match that was on at SummerSlam, but just give them seven minutes to do some cool stuff. And my final match I've got here is a tag team match between the new Head Shrinkers and the Blue Brothers. That's just there to fill time if you need it, or chuck it on the pre-show or something. And then my last note is something involving Manta, maybe versus Dink. Okay. Thoughts?
1: Very nice, very nice. Yeah, you've you've... used... It makes sense, and it uses people probably in situations that they'd be best put in.
2: Thank you.
0: I think you, you you stay fairly true to to what's realistic and and feasible at the time. I went with a slightly different slant <laughs> <laughs> to, to mine. I mean, obviously, I hadn't watched all the rules, and yeah, there's, yeah. There's, a, there's a fair amount, and there's a few people that I didn't know about, and there's a fair amount of time in between the Royal Rumble. And yeah, you've WrestleMania. got a good two months. So, so, so I was allowing for for a bit of creative
1: direction. I've seen your card, and I half think that perhaps I should go next because mine's quite similar to Stewart's really yeah let's be- save Scriven's for be- the main event because it's logical okay while yours is a little more off the uke
2: Adam go for
1: it okay well I also hadn't seen any of these RAWs. I'd never seen even the the card for WrestleMania 11 I didn't know what was going to happen so I did this straight after the Royal Rumble I think yeah, when you asked you did, yeah and just from what we'd seen where I thought things would probably end up so, like you, I had Sean versus Diesel in a title match. Obviously, we didn't know that Sid was going to be his bodyguard here, did we?
2: No, obviously, he's not so, on so, run, what, so, I've got
1: no mention of Sid because I wasn't aware that he was going yeah, back. me neither. I've got Brett versus Owen because I thought that that was where it would be going. It seemed quite logical, logical. to have yeah. those two kind of maybe finish off their... Their feud at WrestleMania. Yep. The kid and Sparky Plug against the Head Shrinkers, because, well, of course they're still going to be tag champs.
2: They only won it at the Rumble.
1: Exactly. And the Head Shrinkers, I think they could actually have a decent match. Yeah, those, that would that, that that, be, that'd a good be pretty good yeah. like you I thought Razor and Jarrett that was going to be a, a logical rematch I put some kind of gimmick involving the roadie Bulldog and Luger versus the million dollar team of Bam Bam and Tatanka yeah
2: Which seems think, logical
1: well you've got the Luger Tatanka thing I think Bam Bam would be able to work well with it Undertaker versus King Kong Bundy with IRS in his corner and some kind of urn versus briefcase match
0: <laughs> <laughs> what would the Undertaker want with the IRS's briefcase I'm not sure there's anything in it <laughs> <laughs> just probably a bag of tungsten tip screws.
1: <laughs> a shower curtain. I thought Blaze versus Bull again. Just, in, but that, that was kind of like an afterthought, just in case they'd have a women's match because I know that they don't often like to play around with them too much. Yeah, but it'd be nice to see it. And then um, Adam Bomb versus Quang. Your favourite feud of all time? Just, I think it'd be a fun opener.
0: Okay. Again, I think you you you've, you have you've done this in a very different way to I,
1: but
0: that's that's a very realistic card based
1: on what we've seen you will notice that I as well don't feature Bob Backlund because I think Backlund his involvement in the big feud is kind of finished now I, I I thought that was over and I don't involve Lawrence Taylor either because in no way did I think that they'd ever put a football player in the main event
2: of a wrestling show and now our main event of Wrestlemania cards it's the Wrestlemania 11 card of Paul Scrivens go okay
0: so I've booked it in a in a different way. I didn't quite pick up on Stuart wanted us to do something that was going to be realistic. I, I, I kind of thought this is this is what you'd want to happen with the people available. I got the fact that you wanted people available at the time. That's what I took out of it. Right, okay, so okay. you did take that so it's not got stone cold on it or anything. <laughs> no No, no, it's not. It's, it's... Wife beater,
2: <laughs> Zandig, people like that.
0: No, it's it's what we've got is we've got to to kick it off, we've got a tag team title match. And we've got the Smoking Guns against the Heavenly Bodies because I would want Jimmy Del Rey on my card.
6: Yeah,
2: it's not beyond the realms of possibility they're knocking about.
0: Yeah, and and I would have it so the Heavenly Bodies win. I think they deserve it. And I quite like Smoking Guns. I think they're a decent team. But yeah, Heavenly Bodies going over in that match. As I said in the last show, I would like to see pushes for a couple of guys. And one of the guys I'd like to see pushed from their current status up towards the the very top of the card is Razor. I think he's having a, a very good run of things. He's very well loved by the crowd good performing in the ring I think and to get him up there because we know what the main event's going to be well, I'm going to have him in a gauntlet match where if he can beat three hand picked opponents who's um, hand picking these opponents someone <laughs> um hang on uh, I yes. hadn't thought that through but okay <laughs> hand picked by pat patterson
2: <laughs> who
7: is of currently... course
0: okay hand picked by pam randerson okay yeah, there you go <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I'm with that and, and the three people are going to beat Bob Sparkle because I thought he did a really good job in that last pay-per-view I, mm. I thought he performed very well um, Mabel because they're probably going to put him in somewhere and I know that 95 is going to be a big year for Mabel so you know he would be a difficult opponent to beat yep. and, and Lex because Lex is obviously relatively well still in favour why
2: is it a handicap match pitting a baby it, face against three baby faces it's, it's, it's not a handicap well match. sorry
1: a gauntlet, a gauntlet, gauntlet match a match
2: I'm not caring about that I'm, I'm <laughs> caring about
0: what I want to see and if he can overcome these three people he gets to be the number one contender and <laughs> I'll, I'll spoil the storyline for you he's going to win race is going to win um,
2: <laughs> is Pamela Anderson the evil heel authority figure now yeah she could be heel <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay. Okay.
0: Next. And then we've got the Bulldog against Jim The Anvil and Nine Hearts. Just because I think, I mean, I've not, I don't know a massive amount about either of those, apart from Nine Hearts Beaver. I would like to see a match between those two because actually, I've seen little bits of Bulldog, and you know, in this era, I think I've not hated what I've seen. I've not loved it, but I've not hated it. I've not really seen Nine Heart wrestle, but I think he
2: looks like he could be good. You are aware that on the last pay per view, I said Nine Heart had left again. I missed that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway,
0: I, I kind of feel that, that, that they should be this bit. They've both been involved in this Brett owen thing, but I'd like Yeah, to see I, I go do out
2: see the it. logic there if not um, Hart was still around, yeah.
0: I would like to also see Jeff Jarrett against Owen for a couple of reasons. One, I, I think they could have a really good match. Also, I'd like to see Owen win some gold, but uh, I think he deserves a belt and I think that he could do good job and have a good run with a few people as, as an IC champion
2: you are aware they're both heels
0: right I'm booking this as I want to see it. <laughs> stop pulling holes in everything it's ruining
2: my fun Bam Bam against Yokozuna you're aware they're both heels right
0: yes okay they
2: fine <laughs> you're aware you've just booked two heel versus heel matches in a row on no, a well, WrestleMania card
0: well no I
2: wasn't but actually
0: <laughs> you, you see although for me Bam Bam is a heel that I like though so he's, he's one of the, the, the people okay he's he's he is a heel but for me, I want to. I, I like him. Do you, do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so I almost. Say I, although I do realise that he is a heel and his booked as a heel. For me, he's a face. <laughs> 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 because I don't. I don't. I don't care about necessarily what they're supposed to be. I care about what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I'd like to see that, and I'd like to see Bam Bam win yep. because Bam Bam is another person that I think's had a really good run since we've been doing these podcasts who deserves to be higher up the card, and I think beating Yoko could be a way of doing that. I'd like to see Brett versus The Undertaker. So we've had our
2: heel-heel, heel-heel, then face-face. Yeah. (laughs) it's fine.
0: (laughs) Okay. And then uh, I want to see... And and this is almost... If I'd have had the Divas match at my disposal in terms of... the Divas and not. The Women's match at at my disposal, I would have definitely had both against uh, the plays here. But I had the 1-2-3 kid against Bob Backland... In a ball rope match. Now, the story behind <laughs> this... <laughs> the story behind this would be that Bob backler has been bullying the one two, 3 kid, uh, and that the one two, 3 kid is going to win this match. And then I'd have the main... Hang belt. on, when
2: have we seen a ball rope match?
0: We haven't, but I, I, I presume that they're, they're not a particularly current invention. I, I'd have thought they're quite... No, they're old. a bit more NWA than yeah. WWF. But they're around. They exist, yeah. And then i then I'll have Shawn Michaels against Diesel. And and I'd have Diesel winning following some interference from Razor. So Razor screws Sean or Razor screws Diesel? Razor screws Sean. So he's still a face? Oh, you're you confusing me with all this ha- yeah. face
2: heel stuff. <laughs> well, thanks for that. That, that was definitely yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it was interesting, yeah. One thing worth mentioning before we start the show is that Jim Ross has been promoted to assistant booker within the WWF. You asked Paul a couple of episodes ago about the booking structure at the time. Yeah, And I've done a bit of research into that, and it seems to have been at this point in time, it goes Vince, JR, Pat Patterson, Bruce Pritchard, Shawn Michaels, and JJ Dillon, in that order. Wow. How did Shawn Michaels get that much power? Yeah, I think he just went straight to Vince and said, I think this about this person, and you're going to listen to me. Ross's booking style allegedly wanted to focus on a group of top competitors, e.g., Brett, Sean, Diesel, Razor, Luger, Bulldog, rather than one clear top babyface, BG, Hogan, which had been traditionally the WWF's approach. Mm. So he wanted a bunch of guys that could beat each other on any given night rather than one clear person stood atop everybody else.
1: Yeah. It's, well, it's quite a nice idea, really. Yeah, it's something a bit different. It gives a bit more versatility to what you can expect from the
2: pay-per-views. Yeah, should as well lead to a bit less predictability, I yeah. would think. Yeah. Also, at some point during this show, I think during the second match, Jerry Lawler accidentally unplugged some microphones... And leaves the event basically with no commentary.
0: Well, was it actually him that did it? How, how did he accidentally unplug them? I don't know. Tripped over they, a
2: wire or something.
0: Did he just pull them out of their sockets? Yeah. yeah.
1: They reference it, don't they? But they reference but, but it very on la- commentary. late on yeah. in the pay per view. Yeah. Jerry Lord has been wreaking havoc.
2: Yeah. Basically, Lawler and Vince would later re-record the missing parts. There was no dark match for this show, so I guess the Brooklyn Brawler was preoccupied or something. Yeah. He was unavailable. They could have had some of my matches on there. <laughs> yes. A three-person gauntlet match on the pre-show featuring four babyfaces. I'd
0: <laughs> still like to have seen it.
2: <laughs> oh, and the pre-show wasn't on the Silver Vision DVD, so we didn't watch it. I did find it on YouTube, but after watching the 1995 Rawls, I am so fucking sick of Todd Pettengill, I just couldn't take any more. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, he appears enough in this pay-per-view. I didn't want another half hour of him. If anyone wants to point out some amusing parts from the pre-show on Twitter or something, just tell us.
1: Or if anyone actually it. likes Todd Pettengill. Todd Pettingill. I'm not sure he does. Yeah. And the dad he's listening.
2: It's Sunday, April the second, nineteen ninety five, and we are live from the Hartford Civic Centre in Hartford, Connecticut, in front of a sellout crowd of fifteen thousand. This show drew a live gate of seven hundred and fifty thousand and a pay per view buy rate of one point three, which is approximately three hundred and forty thousand buys, the lowest buy rate in mania history at the time, down from Mania tens one point six eight. So and, uh, But
1: is it the lowest of all time? No oh
2: adam tell me about the
1: celebrities well there's too many to go through isn't there
2: you you'll be pleased to hear this is the last time you'll have to do this
1: it's so over bloated with celebrities it's it's unreal you've got people that i don't even know who they are in fact you know how many footballers do we have come out in that
2: 273
1: (laughs) just all over the place you got some little kid from Home Improvement. You've got two Playboy models. We've got some guy from NYPD Blue, who, until the last match, I actually thought was a new member of the WWF <laughs> backstage team. <laughs> just this, <And> so, despite <laughs> the fact that they introduced him for every link, I asked the guy from NYPD. I just must have glazed over that. It's just some smarmy <laughs> twat with a moustache rampaging around backstage. It seemed to fulfil the Pettingill mould. He right. did do that. I'd have preferred him to <laughs> Todd Pettingill. Well, yeah. But yeah, I don't know anything about him apart from who's in NYPD Blue. The little kid was in home improvements, that's all I can really say. Yeah. I've got a bit on a few of them, if, if
2: you'd like me to do Let, that. Let's now. go
1: through this before we kick off. Celebrity Watch. You see, they had salt and pepper as well, and I forgot to get any notes on salt and pepper.
2: Condiment. Why are they only called salt and pepper and there's three of them? And in fact we didn't
1: really see them either. We get a shot of their butts. Well, point, they but... apparently
2: sang Lawrence Taylor's entrance, but it's obviously been cut so they don't have to play yeah. salt and pepper or anything. Well, was it What A Man? What A Man, yes. Yeah. Do you fancy singing that one later? I could give it a go. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Probably okay cut, though.
2: though. I don't have to pay you royalties. Okay. By the way, I do get a good cut every episode. <laughs> <laughs> 100% of nothing. Yeah. Well, I,
1: I did do a little bit of looking into uh, Jenny McCarthy, strangely enough. just um, another
2: one-handed Google talk.
1: There, uh, shaky handwriting again.
2: <laughs> but the, the thing is, I can see it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm sat opposite i can't see yeah i
1: didn't find an awful lot on her because she's mainly known for doing the modeling i think so she she appeared for playboy in 1993 and she was the playmate of the year in 1994 and apparently that landed her about a hundred thousand dollars not or bad something. so she was she was doing all right for herself good work um, if you can get it yeah apparently she's like kind of Catholic and is from a Catholic school and things, and did a Playboy shoot in the Catholic school's uniform <laughs> something, and got a little bit of heat in her hometown over over doing that, I think. Fair enough. She's a heel. Yeah, well, well hmm. according to the Catholic Church, she is, yes. Well, I'll book her uh, against another heel, then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she also hosted something called Hot Rocks, which was on the Playboy TV channel, which was uncensored music videos, okay. which I imagine was interesting. Then she was hired to do MTV Singled Out, which is take it one of those sorts of reality pick-a-date type I think it's like a dating
2: show, I vaguely remember it.
1: Yeah. She was in a sitcom titled Jenny, apparently, in 1997, which ran for, like, one season. (laughs) It's absolutely great. I've never heard anything else about it. Was was that right up there with stacked? Possibly. Obviously, she was in basketball in nineteen ninety eight, which is a great, great yeah. film. And she was in Scream three. Was she? Apparently, and then also in Scary Movie three as well, playing the same role. Okay. She was married, and she had this one son, and then she was going out with Jim Carrey and living with him from two thousand four to two thousand and ten. Okay. Bizarre and well, inter- well done Jim and interesting. In, in, to to bring it back to her wrestling celebrity theme, she's. Currently, well, since two thousand thirteen, been dating, and I believe is engaged to Donnie Wahlberg. That's according to Wikipedia, by the way.
2: I thought you were going to say yeah. she's engaged to Manta.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah,
1: a bit of an add-on to Pam Ransom Part Two. Yeah, she was in this this stacked sitcom. I think is this the one that people have been talking about? Yeah, people what, on Facebook and Twitter reference have pointed out this. stacked and say, well, because it only ran for like one year and 20 episodes several of those were unaired because it had such terrible views i've never seen it but i hear it's not very good but she was also in something called vip which did anyone mention that which ran for four years and 88 episodes which was like an action comedy drama type thing where she was a bodyguard for celebrities and interestingly, oh yeah
2: it does ring a bell
1: apparently there's a playstation 2 video game made yeah
2: no that that, yeah i remember and
1: she used to protect some celebrities on this. O- amongst two were Alfonso Ri- Ribeiro. Carlton from Carlton. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. Jerry Springer. From The Jerry Springer Show. <laughs> and one Stone Cold Steve
2: Austin. What? <laughs> Pam Randerson was Stone Cold Steve Austin's I d- bodyguard.
1: I don't know if this is bullshit, but if that exists, we should find that episode <laughs> yeah, and yeah. watch that and, and review it. She she would be the person, if anybody threw a big can of beer at him, <laughs> would get in the way. Yeah, t- take the hit. Yeah.
0: Mm. So it, uh, yeah. let's go into that. Stone Cold is the best catcher in the world. He's in my cricket team. Okay, thank you.
1: <laughs> but the, obviously, the, the biggest celebrity on this was Lawrence Taylor. So I did a little bit of digging around about Lawrence Taylor. Very fascinating character he is. Did, he did you seen... find out more interesting stuff about the number 56? Uh, no. There's plenty of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, I'll do a quick rundown of Lawrence Taylor. He began playing football at about 15, and he was drafted by the New York Giants in 1981. He was a linebacker and being described as being very, very dominant in defence with an incredibly aggressive style of play. And also a very reckless start as well, and having no regard for his own safety as such so he's he,
2: the Mick foley of the football
1: yeah it? yeah but apparently this guy was the the real deal really really amazing changed the way that that position was played and the way okay. that people had to people had to create defensive plans for Lawrence Taylor when they were facing the Giants because he was such an issue down there okay. so i think he genuinely is like
0: a or, or what was so, the it's, right
1: type of guy, yeah.
0: It's it's a little bit like I don't know Kevin Peterson coming up with
1: the switch hit. Yes, exactly like that.
0: You know, you having to create
1: new fielding positions. In 1986, <laughs> he had his he had his career best, and he was like the the NFL's MVP of the of the year. I guess
2: did he get a big inflatable entrance? <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, that was good Uh, i love that all right in 1988 apparently he played with a with a torn pectoral muscle he just had himself strapped up and played the entire game in a very very hard-hitting thing that the giants then won narrowly so i think he yeah quite a heroic performance there he retired in 1993 had an achilles tendon injury in 92 and retired the year after age 34, so by the time we see him, he's already retired. Right, okay. But he was named in 1994 in the NFL 75th anniversary all-time player, sort of like award position, whatever the hell that is. And he had nicknames like Superman and Godzilla. Godzilla's a great wrestling yeah, nickname. Yeah, so I, th- I think he, yeah, he was legitimately the man.
2: Um, and what's he done since retiring, Well,
1: unfortunately, the, he's slightly marred. It's not all sort of like songs and dance, really. He was once asked what he could do that no other outside linebacker could do, and his one answer was drink. But apparently, he could also take loads of cocaine as well, <laughs> because he was he was done for like possession of cocaine. He described apparently in one of his autobiography that at one point his his place was like a crack house. He was <laughs> great stuff. Yeah, he was done for um, false tax returns in 1997. Feud
0: with
2: the IRS. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, he didn't pay his
2: taxes. I've not told you yet, but that's actually the main event of WrestleMania. <laughs> as well.
1: But yeah, he got a three-month house arrest for that, five years probation, and a shit ton of community service hours. He did some acting. Apparently, he's in Samuel L. Jackson's version of Shaft. Okay. Odd.
2: I've not watched that.
1: No, he's in the Waterboys and the Sopranos as himself, I think, and he was the voice of B.J. Smith in GTA Vice City. So yeah, he's had a lot of problems with with drink and drugs and whatnot. Unfortunately, in two thousand nine, he kind of joined Jerry Lawler in an illustrious club of people that have been done for third degree statutory rape, where he was he pled pled guilty to it in the end of having sex with under a seventeen year old, um, and he got six years probation for that. And it was something to do with paying her as well. I think it was like some kind of prostitution charge in there, paid her $300 or something. I think this girl tried to have it sort of like carry on and tried to have him done for assault on her as well. But in 2012, they threw that out of court
2: because that just apparently right. wasn't true. So,
1: interesting
2: chap. So, I'm guessing that's why he's not been in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he's got a bit of a checkered past. But okay, he's, he's okay. definitely in all the LFA,
1: NFL like, Hall of Fames and okay. stuff like that. Yeah.
8: The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment now continues with the tradition of WrestleMania. WrestleMania 1. WrestleMania 2. WrestleMania 3. WrestleMania 4. WrestleMania 5. WrestleMania 6. WrestleMania 7. WrestleMania 8. WrestleMania 9. WrestleMania 10. And now, WrestleMania 11. This year starring Baywatch's Pamela Anderson, Home Improvement's Jonathan Taylor Thomas, MTV's Jennifer McCarthy. NYPD Blues Nicholas Torturo with special musical guests Salt and Pepper and featuring Lawrence Taylor's
2: all-pro team. We open with the first pay-per-view appearance of the Monolith opening. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force oh, in sports yeah, yeah, entertainment. Yeah, yeah. It's been on TV, but this is the first pay-per-view appearance of it. Is this the first time we've heard the phrase sports entertainment used? I can't recall hearing it on any shows no, we've watched so well, far. No, well,
0: was it not used in a promo by someone?
2: I couldn't tell you. I genuinely can't remember hearing Oh, no, it.
0: was that... Was that um, now I'm thinking of Bob Backlund?
2: What did he say? That so was sports education. education yeah. yeah. That was that's a different thing. They should've for, they should have run with that. For over fifty years, Bob Backlund has been the revolutionary force in sports Sp- education. I just thought sports education, Russell Maths.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Backlund I'm gonna tweet you. <laughs> also, fifty years would make the forming of the WWF in nineteen forty four, which it obviously wasn't. <laughs> Vince Sr. actually formed the WWWF in 1963 when breaking his father's capital wrestling away from the NWA. So 30 years is more accurate. Obviously, they've just decided 50 is a nice number, and they're going to roll with that. It's a very nice number. No one's going to question it. No one's going to question it.
0: As well, what we do get is we get this this amazing bit of counting to start off with, where it counts us up to WrestleMania 11. Yeah. At WrestleMaths.
2: <laughs> the opening promo, besides focusing on the numbers, focuses on all the classic matches that have happened at WrestleMania with all the huge stars. See if you remember some of these. The triple threat match at WrestleMania 1 between Cindy Lauper, Muhammad Ali and Liberace. <laughs> remember at WrestleMania 5 when they had that six-man tag with Run DMC? Yeah. Or Robert Goulet versus Donald Trump at Mania 6, and lest we forget the incredible Taipei death match between Macaulay Culkin and Chuck Norris at WrestleMania 7. <laughs> I'd, I would have actually loved to have seen that. Interestingly enough, did you spot WrestleMania 9 celebrities are uh, Jim Ross in a toga and yes. an <laughs> yeah. This year's WrestleMania is apparently starring Pamela Anderson, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Jenny McCarthy, Nick Terturo, Salt and Pepper, and Lawrence Taylor's All Pro team. Look, Vince, I get that you have no confidence in the roster at the time, but bloody hell, not a single wrestler is even mentioned or single match is shown in that opening promo. Mm. I, again, realised that the two biggest stars of the first 10 years of WrestleMania are now in WCW, but Piper was at one, Brett's been around since two, and Sean's been around since five. You could make some clips involving those guys, surely. Everything you kind of need to know about the hierarchy involving celebrities over wrestlers on this event. This opening promo tells you this isn't about any of the wrestlers. Mm. What did you make to it? Confusing.
1: This is a wrestling show, is it not? But it also made me think, how much cash are they pouring out to pay all of these different celebrities to be in this? Because... As I point out, there's loads of them.
2: I've got a figure for Lawrence Taylor, which we'll talk about later on. I don't really have anything for anybody else, but yeah, it's you can only presume Pamela Anderson, well, she got 25 grand for the Royal Rumble, so it's going to be in the same ballpark yeah. for this. They're not going to be cheap. You could certainly get Mantar a lot cheaper.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Paul? It was
0: difficult... In the respect that, there's, as, as I said, there's been a fair amount of time between the Royal Rumble and now, and I could do with the opening package, telling me a bit about what's happened in that time. And it told and, you nothing. And it told me nothing. I
2: told you Cindy Lauper was at WrestleMania well,
0: 1. Well, it, it doesn't. Okay, we, we reference these, these celebrities that we've got here, but I don't know, other than Pamela Anderson and a bit I don't know the other people. I don't know anything
2: about their backgrounds or why I should care about them. Special Olympian Kathy Huey sings the national anthem. She was a late replacement for the rock band Fishbone. What happened to them? Well, I'm guessing the change was made due to the Special Olympics that year being held in New Haven, Connecticut. So I think it's Vince trying to get back in the good books of that state. Our hosts are Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler. Vince thanks his loyal WWF customers for buying the show and tries to explain to, and I'm using inverted commas here, new customers what WrestleMania is all about. Given that buy rate, we've established there probably aren't any new customers watching this <laughs> i will say though lawless little explanation of wrestlemania was quite good it was
0: actually
4: i, yeah.
2: I, I noted that he, he started he, the show well, well there
0: went downhill soon after but
2: did you notice something different about the referees in this show there's there's quite a few guest referees that are umpires and things well yes you've got that but just in general how they look they've got the stripy shirts they've got the stripy shirts. They've been wearing the blue shirts and the bow ties up until this pay-per-view. Oh, no, I didn't, this is the interested. first pay-per-view appearance of the WWF refs in stripes. Are they Excellent. still in those stripes? Yes. Our first match is the Allied Powers, Lex Luger and the British Bulldog, versus the Blue Brothers. There was little to no build for this one, Really? The Bulldog and Luger had begun teaming shortly before WrestleMania and the Blue Brothers debuted in January and have done very little of note on television with the exception of defeating the Head Shrinkers and being confused by the notion of television cameras. They're from the mountains. (laughs) (laughs) They get confused. The two teams did have a confrontation on the WrestleMania public workout held in Times Square on March the 28th. Also at that event, the team of Luger and Bulldog were initially named as the International Power Alliance, although Cassie. this was later changed to the Allied Powers. Yep, that's better. Yeah. We would also be remiss not to mention the Blue Brothers manager. Did you spot who that was, Paul? Uncle Zeb Do you know who that is, Paul? He kind of looked v- vaguely familiar, but I didn't spend all my time worrying about who it was. It's Adam's personal favourite, Zeb Coulter. I do love Zeb Coulter. Really? Yeah. It makes sense with his name. Yeah, there's a nice little bit of consistency there that when he comes back, he's still called Uh, Zeb.
1: Also, he's got the same
2: face. (laughs) But I actually think
1: he looks younger now than he did there. He's got really long hair, hasn't he? Yeah, Yeah, and a a big beard. Yeah, and that's full coloured.
2: Zeb is a former wrestler-booker manager who's worked in the... NWA, Mid-South, Memphis, Smoky Mountain and other territories. He is also the man responsible for giving Steve Austin his ring name as Austin, real name Steve Williams, turned up to perform on a show that Dr. Death, Steve Williams was already performing on and needed a new name. And it was Zeb that said, huh. you're Steve Austin. Excellent. That's, there you go. It's a very minor but very significant part of wrestling yeah. history, I guess. Yeah. Well done, Zeb. Bulldog and Luger are out first to their mash-up theme. What did you make to that? I didn't mind In, it.
1: Yeah, initially I thought, "Oh my god, they've done a mashup." But then, about twenty seconds into it, I thought, hmm, it's
2: quite they've, good, they've, yeah. "They've done a mashup. Yeah, yeah. It's quite nice." Again, it's still better than the Ryback Curtis Axel one. Yes, everything's better than that.
0: Uh, I did notice as well, we seem to be having all of the photographers that we had at King of the Ring 93. Yeah, uh, we referenced this yeah, when watching what it. The yeah. Fucking hell. Is the, the outside of the ring is just cluttered and I, with people. I assumed that this would be for some kind of angle later on in the night,
2: but it's not. Well,
1: There's there is place. sure
2: Michaels throwing them out the way when he gets pissy, but.
1: I've got a sneaking suspicion that because of the added sort of like celebrity power, shall we say, all around the ring they've probably each got their own photographers to make yeah, sure that they've... Yeah. So you've got about 12 photographers just hanging around the outside of the ring. They they actually get in the way at some parts, don't
2: mm. they? The blues are out next to pretty much silence, though I did quite like their theme tune. They had a good guitar mm. solo going on in it. I can't remember it. No, it's not that memorable for you. Yeah. The Blues attack to open, but the Powers fight them off and whip the Blue Brothers into each other. Irish whips to the ropes, and we get a botched double power slam with Luger almost landing himself yeah. and the Blue, yeah, Blue Brother on well, the bulldog. He manages to do it, like because
0: they go into it at pretty much the same time. And think this could work. This, you know, the symmetry could be nice. But he manages to somehow take so long to do it and rotate in midair at the same time yes. to land on. To land on the bulldog it's the turning booboo.
1: that that confused me, because I think Bulldog did it spot on, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know nice and in in the right place, and yeah, Luke just picks him up for the slam and then just rotates as he brings him down, and it looks quite nasty, and it looks really, really stupid, yeah
0: but but before that also, we get our first bit of genius commentary in this match in the corner with Jacob or Eli, obviously,
2: hard to tell the twins apart. Yeah. Vince is very confused by the notion of twins. Bulldog and a blue start, anyway. We get a big vertical suplex for a two. Impressive strength from Davey Boy. That's
0: that's really good. It didn't get him up that clean, but the way he held him, the balance, I was thinking that is amazing.
1: And how much does each one of these blues weigh? I don't know, Art. (laughs) (laughs) You realised how much does this guy weigh? You just asked how much does this guy weigh? How much
5: does this guy weigh? Is this guy one of the wrestlers? We get a tag to
2: blue number two, I'm not trying to tell them apart, and a double clothesline by Davey. Davey hits a blue on the ropes and the heels take over. A small package from Davey for a two, but the ref is tied up with Luya on the apron. We get a dynamite kid reference from Vince. Yeah. Yeah. Curious. The blues work over the bulldog until Davey fights back with a clothesline. We then get an illegal switch from the blue twins who take back over. Their offense isn't particularly interesting. I think Gerald
0: Lawler does a few things, particularly in this match, where it just sounds very scripted, but he really stumbles and trips over his lines okay. a couple of times. There's something where there's is referenced.
2: Yeah, he's like banging on about the Normandy invasion.
0: Yeah, And then he's tried, uh, King tries to follow it up with the line and stumbles over it. It happens a few times. It's a bit messy, clunky. Do we know
1: at what point he pulls the microphone cables out?
2: I think it's during the Ramon-Jarrett match. One of the Blues misses an elbow from the ropes and we get a Lex Luger. I would say hot tag, but... It's not a hot
4: mm. tag.
0: But the the crowd, I still think, are quite into this.
2: I think the crowd are quite hot for most of the night, actually. Mm. Surprisingly so, I thought. Lex mm. gets his flying forearm for a two, broken up by the other blue twin. Lex goes to the apron to clock Zeb, but the twins switch again, and Luger then sells confusion that one of the blue twins should be knocked out, but isn't. Davy comes in then for seemingly no reason, although on a second watch it did appear he tagged Luger on the arse. And does a sunset flip on one of the Blue Twins for a three-count at six minutes and 34. But it's not a smooth sunset flip. It is not a smooth sunset flip. But
0: also, I think that he isn't down for three. Uh, I'm I'm sure by the time the
2: ref counts the third stroke, his shoulders are
1: up. Yeah, actually, it is. It's almost like a premature celebration. It didn't
2: look right. The Allied Powers pose in the ring with some mood lighting. Fitting of the build-up to this match, this match was absolutely nothing. Gentlemen, was,
1: was this match there just because those two need to beat a team?
2: They needed Luger and Bulldog on the card, really.
0: Well, we did get some gold afterwards, that, because we got JR conducting an interview in the dark in the, um,
2: in the aisle. Yeah, so all night we get JR interviewing people in the aisle after the matches. I'm guessing this is a JR idea himself. The premise is that it will give it more of a sports feel, You don't like when they interview athletes coming off the field. So I'm guessing that's what they're aiming for. But what did you make of these interviews in general? Pointless. And this
1: is the first of many examples in the pay-per-view where the the audio levels just aren't right. They come in with the mic and it's far too low to actually understand. And like, Zeb's shouting. He's shouting and you can barely hear what he's saying. So it loses any type of impact because we don't really understand what's going on. I th- I think and it's it's very poorly lit. It's it's just yeah. not well, it's, a very it's, good.
0: It's not lit. Um, <laughs> it's in the dark. Yeah, <laughs> I think there was a lot of unnecessary promos tonight. I mean, there was one interesting bit that that I thought came out later on with they are interviewing somebody on the way back. There's a lot of interviews and promos where nothing of any relevance or anything important.
2: It's, that yeah. it's just,
0: just taking up time, eating up time.
2: Yeah, I found that my notes on these interviews, actually, on a lot of the ones all night, just said, so-and-so conducts an interview, whereas normally I'd write, well, they talk about this and they talk about this. Yeah, it just seemed to be speaking for the sake it's of good. speaking. I did spot that Zeb says something about them being victims of injustice and I presume something about immigrants. I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, they, they, he, says, he does say that... The wrong one was pinned because they did the switcheroo. So I quite liked, actually, that
2: he was using... Their own tactics. as yeah. an excuse, yeah. Yeah. What did you make to the match? Meh is, is the best description I can get. It was just there.
0: There was one or two nice
1: little bits, but a very small portion of the match was worth watching. Adam? Yeah, it just happened. And I I can't think of any of the nice little bits in it. I'm sure they might have been there. But the the more memorable ones were the, were the, the more clunky-looking botched mm. spots. Yeah. It didn't leave you thinking... It was, that bit was all right.
0: I didn't. It's one of these matches that I didn't hate it. It was. It was just
2: nothing. What do you think of the idea of Luger and Bulldog as a tag team?
0: I actually don't mind it. Yeah, as, I don't as, mind as, that as a, as a thing going forward because I don't see personally either these guys should be at the top of the card at the minute. Yeah. And but I do think you're struggling for tag teams. The the the, the kind of gimmick is okay. Actually,
1: it's a it's a logical pairing. I yeah. think they don't look like they've just been mashed together. They kind of look like they've had an effort to make them into like a a tag team. When, I can't, I cannot but feel that David Boy Smith's going to struggle working with Luger because they've got very different levels of competence. Yeah, but he's
2: going to hide Luger's weaknesses, isn't he? He's yeah. going to be the workhorse of the team because, as we saw at the Rumble, he can still go
1: yeah. at this point. Yeah, they need to flip it around because they, they did sort of Bulldog getting worked over a bit to give Luger the hot tag. Like, yeah. They need to get Luger worked over to give Bulldog the hot tag yeah, because Bulldog can have a hot tag whilst yeah, Luger can't.
2: Yeah, but we've seen Luger selling.
1: Well, he could get bored and then get a hot
0: tag I don't, I don't know It could adjust his pants and then get a get hot, hot
9: tag, tag. Yeah. Gorilla Monsoon here, exclusively for Coliseum Home Video with reigning intercontinental champion
7: <laughs> Double a- a- J. Monsoon, one- listen, everybody wants to talk to a champion. Bad luck has followed you your whole career. Please, Are you kidding? Get away from me, Monsoon. I've got a big match. Oh, Razor Ramon, he's going down. He thinks he's pulled a fast one with the kid in the corner. Oh, well, I guarantee you one thing. Road Dogg's going to take care of it. And all I've got to say, Monsoon, is... Wait a minute. Wait, uh, Hold
9: on. Let me tell you this, Double J. Remember Hartford, Connecticut as the place that you lost the Intercontinental Championship. Maybe
7: my career's so The lights will go out. No, the lights are on, baby. And all I got to say for me and the Road Dog, ain't we great? <laughs> <laughs> you wish!
9: Uh-huh, the infamous home. roadie and reigning Intercontinental Champion Double J on their way to face the bad guy, Razor Ramon.
2: Guerrilla is backstage with Jeff Jarrett and the roadie for a Coliseum exclusive. Jarrett calls roadie the road dog and claims, yes. ain't we great?
1: And they're still calling him Roadie on commentary, aren't they? But it's just the first time that he started calling him the Road Dog and Willie. By the time he gets to the next pay per view,
2: he won't be Road Dog until right at the end of our run. But oh.
1: obviously, so it's, ni- it's just something Jarrett's calling him. Just a
2: nickname there and then. Oh. Yeah, our next match is for the WWF Intercontinental Title. It's Razor Ramon and Jeff Jarrett. They are accompanied by the One Two Three Kid and the Roadie slash Road Dog, respectively. Jarrett and Roadie are out first to a similar reaction to the Blue Brothers. He still has his flashing glasses.
1: And his, his music that really takes no one by storm.
2: Yeah, it doesn't exactly inspire sort of anything, really, does it, that theme? Vince shows us clips of the rumble finish, which is about all they have to build this match, as nothing really has happened on TV to further the feud. The kid in his dragon pyjamas and razor are backstage, and they are barely audible. Yes. What is the 123 Kid wearing?
1: I I quite liked this. I think it looked quite good. I think it looked like you know in Chinese takeouts, the yeah. person behind reception always seems to wear stuff like this.
2: I thought it looked like he'd gone for a massage in a Chinese brothel and like they'd given him something but to get changed into. It's just really random, isn't it? Yeah. Just why is he wearing it? I've that? never seen him in it before. I don't know if we see him in it again. It's just for this WrestleMania. It doesn't
0: it doesn't fit his character and what he's been wearing, but actually, yeah, I think it looked quite good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. Brilliant! Yeah, I've been really happy with that. <laughs> Razor gets the best response of the night so far. Razor charges through the paparazzi at ringside and attacks Jeff Jarrett while the kid just sort of stands around and watches. Razor's golden shower then goes off. Uh, sorry as well. Did
0: Did you catch that? Vince reminds us how Jeff Jarrett won the WWF Championship. No, did he, Did he leave out the word Intercontinental? intercontinental? He did. Yeah, and I wasn't. Oh, I was like, oh, he won. The, he won the main
2: title. Amazing. No, no, he no, didn't. He didn't. No, that, was, that was the Intercontinental Vince. The match opens and Jarrett runs around and bumps for Razor's fists before taking a clothesline to the outside. Well, hang on, we've got to stop. We haven't talked about his pants yet. Oh, sorry, yeah, Adam. We, we're forgetting big, big things. Yeah, here. sorry, getting ahead of
1: ourselves. I mean, we've seen the blue and gold before, haven't we? But I think this is a slightly deeper shade of blue.
0: But also there's the red in there. I thought this looked like it could have gone with the kids' old attire. Mm, yes, maybe. the, the, the red and black stuff.
1: I wouldn't say that I was a fan of it. No, I wouldn't say that I disliked it, but it didn't really do much you for me. You need to
2: publish a comprehensive list.
1: A, a, ra- a rankings yeah. of the colour combinations. The pants, yeah.
2: On the outside, the roadie attends to Jarrett. Jarrett takes the opportunity to bring Razor down by the legs and comes back in. Jarrett goes for a sunset flip, but eats another Razor fist. Razor whips Jarrett to the ropes and almost into the roadie, but he manages to stop at the very last moment. Razor pushes Jarrett into the roadie and gets the schoolboy for a two. Razor sets Jarrett up for the edge, but as ever, he's next to the ropes, so roadie pulls him out of it. Jarrett goes to leave, but the kid stops him. Another schoolboy from Razor for a two. Jarrett takes over and the roadie interferes again from the outside. There's a lot of interference in this one. Yeah.
0: There is a lot of interference, but there's also quite a lot of almost like... What I'd call double bluff kind of sequences and and kind of telegraphing and scouting yeah, of moves, yeah, which I kind of quite liked. And there was, there was one that got a real panto reaction from the crowd when Jeff's going into the corner, does the cold kind of lifting himself up, but razor kind of he's a bit too smart and
2: yeah, and he, and stops. he stops. Yeah, and, and
0: the crowd are laughing like they're, they're at a famous pantomime. I can't remember Jack and the
2: Beanstalk or something. <laughs> <laughs> Razor whacks the roadie into a turnbuckle and it makes quite the clank noise. Did you hear that? Brilliant. It, that, was the, that must have really hurt because yeah. I don't know how
0: that sound came about. Without hurt. Uh, without hitting his head. Yeah.
1: He's down for ages from that, isn't he? he is. Is.
0: Yeah. I
2: thought that was like a legit.
1: Yeah, he's pro- probably concussed. Yeah.
2: Again, Jarrett and the roadie regroup on the outside. Jarrett back in and gets a neck breaker and a pair of nice. Drop kicks before doing some strutting. Jarrett misses an Enziguri. Razor misses an elbow. And I'm pretty sure they did this exact same sequence at the Royal Rumble. It's, Probably, it's
1: yeah. like a carbon copy of the the Rumble match in many ways. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't think the moves are done with the same crispness as they See, were. Like, I thought the sunset flip bit looked a bit clunky. So he doesn't quite grab him on. He has to edge back and grab him. It's...
0: See, I, I, I disagree because I thought the... Because um, you, you the thought Rumble they matches,
2: hadn't could. gelled quite well there. No, I I, you? I thought this was better. Jarrett gets a sleeper hole, but Razor quickly elbows out and gets a backslide for a two. Uh, is this the two where we go he goes one, two, he got him? Wow, no he didn't. Literally in that tone. Have you not noticed that is Vince's commentary for every yeah. pinfall ever?
0: But but it was it was the lack of interest which with which
1: he said, Wow, no he didn't, that really <laughs> stood out. He's got a real irritating habit of, of when the counts are being done of saying one, two, and then shouting new champion. And then, yeah, <laughs> and then go, oh no. No. It's not even, well, well, it is. This is a
2: championship match, but he would. Yell it yeah, not in a belt match. On the match. Jarrett goes back to his sleeper, which Razor only sells for slightly longer. A third rest hold is moderately more successful, but Razor picks up and drops Jarrett out of it. They run the mid ring collision spot, and both men go down. We get a double count, and Razor drapes an arm across Jarrett for a two. Both men back up, and Razor gets the sack of shit for a two. Kid tries to interfere on the outside, but Jarrett kicks him into the railings. Mm, that was good. What's that all about? Well, it was, it was interesting. It was different because it looked as if he was going to kind of crotch him on the ring post, didn't it?
0: Yeah. And then he just kind of pushes it away. But I thought that was nice because that's something I hadn't seen
2: before. But why is the babyface yeah, second it, interfering for no reason? Doesn't it make him look deceitful and
1: incompetent at the same time? Yeah. So he's doing a heel move and he's failing at it. And then, at then failing it. at
2: it. That's it. exactly the
0: sort of thing that I want on my wrestling. <laughs> 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 on my WrestleMania messily booked face
2: heel card. <laughs> yep, excellent. Razor misses a jumping bulldog off the second rope and sells the knee. Jarrett goes for a shin breaker and signals for the figure four. Razor tries to hang on and Jarrett grabs the ropes for leverage. Razor turns the holdover and gets a pop, but Jarrett gets out and sells his knee. Jarrett swings for a moment but gets set up on the top rope for a back body drop. Now that. Overall, I like the, the back body drop afterwards, but the setting up of that wasn't very crisp. I'll, I'll give you that one. Razor signals for the edge, but before he can hit it, the roadie sneaks in and clips Razor's knee as Tim White calls for the DQ at 13.32. Kid enters and takes Jarrett and roadie down with some awesome, awesome-looking yeah. spin kicks. That's That was my notes.
0: I, I think they are... Three of the best kicks that I have ever seen, particularly the second one, the the, the second one, which is the first one to Jarrett, Jarrett yeah. looks amazing.
1: Well, I think it properly smashes his nose, doesn't well, it? Yeah,
2: because yes. he, he has got a good bloody nose on the way back. Jarrett fights back and gets a pancake and a figure four. More refs attend as Razor punches at Jarrett. Jarrett and the roadie retreat as Howard Finkel announces the result. Jarrett then poses with a bloody nose with the IC title. Thoughts on this one?
0: I quite liked it. It wasn't. It wasn't a stellar match, and it probably wasn't the best match that they could have had. But I thought this was a a decent outing.
1: Adam, not bad, but like I, said, I felt that it was an inferior version of the rumble match.
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one. Your point, Paul, about them at the Royal Rumble not gelling so well. Obviously, at the minute on house shows, these two are working each other every night. So you would expect that they would have gelled and worked out some nice sequences. But yeah, the the stuff in there just seemed to be, like you say, Adam, a carbon copy of the Rumble match. And it just, for whatever reason, didn't feel quite as good. The kid on the outside, I didn't like what he was doing. Yes, I liked his spin kicks. But like we said, the interfering and failing What's that all about? Because it
1: does it a couple of times. Because when you said that there's the figure four and Jarrett grabs the ropes for leverage, I don't think he does. I think the roadie reaches in
2: oh, okay. and grabs yeah. his hands, he
1: and does, then yeah. when it's reversed around, the kid reaches in and grabs Razor's hands to give him more leverage.
0: Right. There's, there's the bit where, or, or a couple of times when you know Jarrett's going to leave and the kid's blocking off the entrance way.
2: Yeah, that I like. But yeah, okay. the, the the getting kicked into the turnbuckles. A, he's interfering with no prompting, and B, he fails at it. And as for the finish, okay, and he comes in after the finish and spin kicks everyone. But why didn't he just come into the ring when he saw the roadie coming in, take him out the way, and then Razor would have Razor edged Jarrett and scored the win? Well, th- this is always the problem with having people at ringside: is when
0: when do you have the interference? Because the majority of the time, you can you can pick holes with with it because it gets so convoluted so quickly.
2: But generally, I think it's actually quite a skill of people, managers or valets yeah, yeah. or whatever you want to call them, of knowing what to do and when to do it. yeah. And maybe the kid wasn't necessarily schooled as well in that as kicking people in the face.
0: Well, he's, he's still relatively young at this
2: point. Yeah. You, yeah.
0: you know, I, I can forgive him that.
2: JR speaks to Jarrett in the aisle and he says, Ramon and the kid ain't nothing. That's a double negative. They mm. are something then.
0: But of course, we all know that two negatives make a positive.
2: Yeah, exactly. At... Wrestle Maths, yeah.
10: I was just at Pamela Anderson's uh, dressing room, but she was nowhere to be found. Yeah. So I'm hanging out here in the green room. Ah. I was just with salt and pepper. Who else can I find? Hey, Jennifer McCarthy. So How oh. are you, sweetheart? How you doing? I'm having How do you feel being in big hunks, huh? Yeah, yeah, look at that. Look at that.
4: Yeah.
10: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, there's what Sean
4: Michael. Sean, I got a and question to ask you.
6: Where's Pamela Anderson? Oh, don't worry, Tricky Nicky. I know where she is. Where don't is worry. she? She'll be Johnny on the spot. But this is the, this the day she's been waiting for. The chance of a lifetime. The chance to walk the Heartbreak Kid to the ring. What's better than that? I'll tell you what's better than that. Nick, You walking out with the Heartbreak Kid as the new World Wrestling Federation Champion. Right? Make what do you think Diesel's doing right now, Nick. When he's sitting there, he's got a burning feeling in his stomach, and it's working his way up his throat, and he's wanting to puke And what's causing that? Fear! Fear! Because all your dreams have now
10: become the nightmares! Well, Vince, you can see they're pretty intense in here. Yeah, I'm safe. Uh, uh, you know i play a detective, next. but it's not like that, Vince. Not on TV. Glory. All right, if you don't mind, Nick. uh, If I can help out in any way, Vince, I will. All right, let's go find Pamela.
2: Nick Turturro is in Pamela Anderson's locker room. But actually, no, he isn't because she wasn't there. He's in the green room with Jenny McCarthy and the Million Dollar Corporation. Karma leers over Jenny, and I think he wants to make her his hoe.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, I did, did note, because I didn't know that this was his name at this point, because this is the first time we've seen him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: I just thought, that's The Godfather. <laughs> that is the exact thing I said to Adam when we were watching this. I said, Paul's going to see this segment and go, why is The Godfather oh, there?
0: Yeah, it's I mean, I, I knew he I knew obviously had been around for a while before I saw him originally, but yeah, um,
1: yeah I didn't know that this was his gimmick. Yeah, he does like yeah. give a very lecherous eye
2: to Jenny McCarthy. To Jenny McCarthy, think, McCarthy yeah. yeah. Sean and Sid appear. Sean says something about... Pamela Anderson accompanying him to the ring, but then Sid shouts a lot.
1: I love this. This was fantastic. I didn't really know what he was saying. Something about nightmares. What I really like about it is the fact that he looks nuts. He looks bonkers. And in the corner of the screen, you can see Jenny McCarthy with like her fingers in her ears, with a with a a look part of a part of humor and part of terror.
0: Yeah. Uh, my, my notes here, exactly. Jen McCarthy's reactions to Sid's promo are yeah. amazing. Great,
2: did, great promo. Did you spot that karma was in the background laughing I think, yes, while it is, Sid it, yeah. was cutting his promo? <laughs> and IRS was there casually drinking a coffee while
0: all this was going <laughs> on. A lot, that's good attention to detail because that's what the IRS should drink.
2: <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he has the to I. stay up all night. Filling out tax returns and auditing people. Our next match is The Undertaker versus King Kong Bundy. So do you want to hear the background to this one? Stole his urn. Somebody (laughs) steals The Undertaker's urn. Undertaker wants his urn back. He doesn't appear on television much. (laughs) Rinse and repeat. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Bundy and DiBiase are out next as we see more Rumble highlights of The Urn getting robbed. Todd is in the audience with Neil Anderson, former Chicago Bear. He thinks LT will win tonight. Shocker. Taker gets a big pop when his music hits. We do get a good quip from Lawler when he says to Vince, now your tuxedo finally looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Another classic follows instantly afterwards yeah. when he says of Paul Bearer, he looks like death warmed up in a waffle iron. I miss <laughs> <laughs> that one. Yeah, oh yeah it's very that's, good. that's brilliant. Baseball person Larry Young is the guest referee. Apparently baseball people were on strike at this time, so he's got nothing better to do. hmm Bundy misses a charge in the corner to open. Taker gets some punches and kicks and then does old school. Lots of camera flashes when he was doing old school, I noticed. Probably Mm. the most of the night at any one point. A pair of clotheslines can't take Bundy down, but a third one does. Bundy clotheslines Taker over the top rope, and he gets the urn back off of Ted DiBiase. This got a massive pop. The urn
1: (laughs) got a huge pop. The big urn. The urn's probably the most over part of this match.
2: But as soon as he got the urn, I just thought, go and bloody put it somewhere safe. Like, lock it up, like...
1: But no, I'll, I'll give it to this rotund man to look after.
2: Yeah. DiBiase leaves, but he's waving out Karma. Karma kicks Paul Bearer right in the gut <laughs> and gets the urn back.
0: But the, the bit, in like, just after this, where the Undertaker's obviously seen this and trying to get his hands on him, he looks like he's trying to rip Karma's eyebrows
1: off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, he's leaning over the top the rope, and I'm thinking... Bloody hell.
1: <laughs> I love the I love the kick to Paul Bearer as well, because it was very cartoonified because he boots him, and Paul Bearer jolts and throws the urn up, and he just catches it. Yeah. And then it was all
0: off. very
2: pantomime, yeah, this
0: whole was... little sequence. Yeah, there's been a few pantomime bits, this. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what they're going for, like a Christmas WrestleMania.
2: Uh, and my note here, with regards to the urn, just says, well, that lasted long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Taker tries to grab Karma apparently by the eyebrows, but Bundy hits him from behind. <laughs> Paul Bearer is crying on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's really quite distressing. Not again! And not again! again. Why, does Why this is keep this happening? happening to me? <laughs> oh, not
4: again! So
2: oh, oh no! no. Uh, Karma speaks to Jr. in the aisleways. We're getting promos in the middle of matches. Yeah, picture yeah. in picture. He's yeah. going to melt it down and make it into a chain. Chain, yeah, yeah. Why does Ted DiBiase want this fucking urn so much? Like, What is it about the urn I, I he don't really because wants? I
1: think what we've learned is it doesn't really do anything. The no. Undertaker taker still wins, wins, all, anyway. his, wins yeah. all his matches, so the urn's incidental.
2: Bizarre. Back in the ring, Bundy clotheslines Taker over the top rope again. Back in and Bundy chokes Taker with his foot in the corner. He then gets a knee drop for a two count and a sort of sleeper hold. Taker powers out, but Bundy takes a splash in the corner. We get a no sell and we- Taker slams Bundy. Flying clothesline gets the three at six thirty six.
0: Yeah, I mean, during the match, particularly second part of that match, we do get some rest
2: in peace chance. Yeah, you,
0: you don't tend to get many chance at this stage, do you?
2: There's no, the odd, no, there's the odd one. We've had Gobret go and Razor quite a lot, but other than that, not yeah. a great deal of chance. No, I thought this was an anticlimactic finish as well. It just obviously he's not going to be getting him up for the Tombstone and probably not for a Chokeslam, but flying clothesline. It, it was quite
0: a short match particularly when some of the matches really uh, conducted outside the ring and not really involving the Undertaker
2: yeah, what, what is it about six it's minutes six minutes and a good two two and a half oh, is so maybe the earn stuff yeah, yeah
0: and so there really isn't very much to this match and the finish came out of nowhere
2: we are in a
1: position again which is the position that we have talked about the Undertaker being constantly in he's in the ring with the guy that he can't do his big moves on you know it's it's hard for him to do that and Bundy I quite like the big potato man but <laughs> Can he really do much, apart he, he, from splashes and stomps and punches?
0: You see, no. you see I, I've not seen lot of money, but I get the impression he's, he's one of these people that's probably a little bit more agile than you think, and would probably be okay in a different role. If he's playing the guy against someone like the kid, throwing them around, it could probably be
1: quite entertaining, but these two against each other doesn't yeah. fit. Well, he's a monster character, isn't yeah. he? So well, you've got a monster versus monster. It doesn't translate very well.
2: Did you also spot as soon as the pin's over, Bundy just rolls out of the ring and walks off? Yeah, because he's invincible, obviously. Yeah, very quick. Bizarre. Right.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, there's, there's a, a fake Undertaker in the crowd. I was wondering, was he the yeah. same same standard as, as your one from Raw, Stewart? Slightly better. Slightly yes. better.
2: The early days of Taker's streak are not often spoken about for a very good reason. Not mm. a, not a classic. Not. This. No. What's even worse than this match is clearly Taker is going to go on and feud with somebody else in the Million Dollar Corporation. It's just on Is it? Isn't Is it Bam Bam Bigelow? On. Oh, no, it's not, is no, it? No, it's Karma, who just stole the Ernie it. <sighs> cool, whoever's got the Ernie, you had a feud with. Okay, so we started our streak tally for the Million Dollar Corporation, didn't we, last yeah, time? yes. So, following the Rumble, where Bigelow and Tonka lost, IRS lost, and Bundy technically lost the Rumble, as he didn't win. The Million Dollar Corporation is now Owen four on pay per view in nineteen ninety five, okay?
1: Okay. Yeah. It's getting a good reverse streak going on there.
2: Yeah. This is King Kong Bundy's last WWF pay per view match, although he would appear as a lumberjacket in your house too. He would stick around in the WWF until October nineteen ninety five and would not be seen again on a national level, though he would continue performing on the independent scene until two thousand and six. Wow. Bothered about him going? No. No me neither.
10: No. As you can see Vince, I'm standing here live at Pamela Anderson's dressing room trying to find out where she is. The word is her and Sean Michaels had a big disagreement. She was very upset, very distressed, very distraught, so she had to leave the building. Nowhere to be found. I'm trying to find her. Anybody can help me? Hey, Steve McMichaels. How are you, buddy?
7: How are you doing, baby? How are you doing?
10: Have you heard anything about Pamela Anderson?
7: Oh, I'm sure you big boy. You'll be able to find her on your own. Your... But let me tell you one thing. I'm looking for this comic character. Where is he at? He calling me a cream puff? You're going to get yours again tonight, baby doll. Oh, yeah.
10: How about some of your friends here?
9: Let me tell you something. King Kong Bundy, you've been telling people you're looking for me. I'm right here, baby, standing right here. we right here. If you want us, come and get us. You hear that? Come and get them. Nikolai Volkov, you got to leave the locker room if you want me, baby. You can't stay in there
5: scared like a little chump. Come and get me. We're right here. Anybody right. see the, the cigar store Indian around? <laughs> to Tatanka toy or to Tatonka something like that. I heard he's looking for me. I ain't hard to find.
10: We're not all hard to find. We're right here, ready to roll. Good luck tonight, guys. All right. On. All pro team, ladies and gentlemen. Get what else can I find? Let this. me see. What Think the hell is so going on continuing here? To look Vince? For it.
6: Yeah,
4: he's lost. Hey,
10: that's Bob Backland. Hey, Jonathan Taylor, how you doing? Wait a minute. How could you guys play chess at a time like this? Have you heard? Have you heard that Pamela Anderson is missing? Bob?
6: What's the meaning of this intrusion? That's what's wrong with America today! You people with cameras!
10: You think you can shoot on anyone at any time? Bob, I'm sorry. I was just trying to find out about Pamela Anderson. She's been missing. Sorry to bother. Pamela Anderson! uh... Who's Pamela Anderson?
8: Oh, my goodness.
1: Mr. Backland, check and maid, thank you.
6: That's what's wrong with society today! All these young people taking advantage of their elders and showing no respect. Who's the 34th president of the United States?
10: Eisenhower.
6: What's the capital of Andorra?
10: Say, Goosey
6: Mark. Who's no the man. chief justice of the United States Supreme Court?
10: William Rehnquist. Huh? That's what's wrong with the world! They think they know it all! Pretty upset, Bob Backlund. Very distressed. <laughs> Anyways, uh, congratulations there, buddy. Nice job.
2: Nick Turturro is outside Pam's dressing room. Apparently her and Sean have had a big disagreement and she's left the building. Well, they did show the clip at the start
0: with, with her walking past Sean and just doing a very good disgusted look. It's quite good acting, really.
2: Turturro does, however, find Steve Mongo McMichael and the rest of the all-pro team. They all cut... The exact same promo on the corporation, and I'll do it word for word. I'm right here, baby. Come and get me. That's <laughs> but, it. But don't they, don't they ask all but one of them? For, for I think there's one <laughs> of them that doesn't get the chance to say it. But one of them's like a massive, like, you know, like six foot six football player, and he's cutting a promo on, like, 60-year-old Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> <laughs> going, I'm right here, baby. Come and get me. It, it, it's pretty bad. However, this segment then turns around. It Nick, does get really good really quick. Nick finds Bob Backlund playing yes. chess yeah. with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Bob doesn't know who Pamela Anderson is. This is brilliant. It's what's wrong with America. It's what's wrong with America today. The kid beats Backlund at chess and Backlund chicken wings him until he passes out. <laughs> That's not technically Sad, Sadly not. No. But yeah, the kid beats Backlund at chess Bob asks him a bunch of questions like, who's the 34th president of the United States? The kid gets them right, and Bob gets really angry and storms off. This is what's wrong with America. They think they know everything. Yeah.
9: Once again, another Coliseum exclusive. Our Coliseum cameras literally everywhere here in the Hartford Civic Centre. And Paul Bear, well, I am amazed at what happened. We've had it, Gorilla. We
6: had it right in the palm of our hands. The holy earth had returned to the undertaker, and the undertaker had it in his hands and gave him enough power to destroy that 500-pound King Kong buddy to pick him up and slam him right in the middle of the ring and beat him. But then, come on. The Supreme Fighting Machine. I know Ted DiBiase. You're behind this one. And my Undertaker's looking for you right now.
9: Once again, another score indeed to be settled with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and his corporate members.
6: It seems the closer we get, the further we are away. Ted DiBiase, look into these eyes now and heed this warning. Put whoever you have in front of me, and I'll go through them until I see your soul rest in the pits of the dark side. That urn is mine, and when I come for it, your whole corporation will fail. They will pay Ted DiBiase.
9: The urn once again in the hands of the million-dollar corporation. Who knows what they're going to do with it? Well, we'll just have to wait and see.
2: Guerrilla is with Paul Bearer, who is distraught about losing the urn. You think... He'd be used to it by now. Yeah. yeah. He also just in this
0: in this promo, he
2: bearer adds another sixty pounds to Bundy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like what tally? Like how many times has the Undertaker's earn been robbed at this point?
2: I dread to even start counting,
1: but it's, it's quite a few. I dare
2: yeah. say. Yeah. I would wager it's at least five people have sort of stolen the end. Who
0: did it start off with? What's his name? Mister mm. Hughes.
2: Mister Hughes has had it. Giant Gonzalez and Harvey Wupperman had it. IRS has had it. Did Yokozuna rob it at some point? Now Karma's um, got Cor- it.
0: Yeah, it was Cornet and Fuji robbed. Yeah, it,
2: yeah. So we've got behalf. quite a few. Gorilla is apparently amazed the urn has been nicked, though. So he must have like Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> Clearly, he hasn't been watching the past three years of professional television. Anyway, we get a Paul Bearer promo, so it's not all bad. This is starting to feel a lot like TNA Impact, as the next segment is another promo. Todd is with <laughs> Todd is with another fucking football player. I honestly don't care about yeah. any of them. I can only imagine, like, if I'm an American football fan and I tune in to watch the Super Bowl and they spend 45 minutes of the Super Bowl interviewing 25 separate fucking wrestlers, I'm going to be really pissed off, but... There you go. There,
0: there is another sign saying, uh, in the background somewhere saying that Mr. Backland
2: is the real WWF champ. Yeah, I noticed that one. Our next match is for the WWF World Tag Team titles. It's the Smoking Guns versus Owen Hart and a mystery partner. Who could that mystery partner be? Mm. In what can only be described as a dick move that definitely makes <laughs> the Smoking Guns heels, <laughs> the night after 123Kid and Bob Holly defeated Bam Bam Bigelow and Tonka for the tag titles, the Guns got their title shot and won the belts. Pointless. Pointless. Yeah. The Kid and Holly did get their rematch the following week but rather than give a clean finish they concocted an injury angle with the One Two Three Kid and then Kid and Holly would only really tag together intermittently so that's the end of their run pretty much. As part of Owen's quest to do everything his brother Brett did but obviously better Owen has decided to focus on the tag team titles and would challenge the smoking guns at WrestleMania with the aid of a mystery partner. So, rumoured names for this mystery partner who would you have thought?
0: To go with Owen Hart, Jim the Bob but he's gone, he's none gone. He said.
1: Bob Backlund.
2: Logical, given their background. Bruce. Well yes, both both logical. <laughs> Doctor Death, Steve Williams. Was a rumoured name for it and would definitely be a possibility considering Jim Ross was now part of the booking team. Mm. And the other name was Chris Benoit, who the WWF had been looking at at the time. There were also rumours as well of Benoit teaming with the British Bulldog, which I guess would be apt considering Benoit's Dynamite Kid routine. So, yeah, Owen is out. Someone to save this pay per view. He comes out alone and he reveals his mystery partner is Stu Hart. No, it's some football player, it's Chuck Norris. No, it's his brother's old foe, Yokozuna. And he is even fucking wider. Yokozuna has been off television since losing to The Undertaker at Survivor Series 1994 for health reasons as the company asked him to lose weight. As a reward for gaining (laughs) 70 (laughs) pounds... He is, is challenging that, for the tag titles on the biggest shows. of the year. Because
0: honestly, he looks twice the He's, size. It was incredible, it was colossal, wasn't, it? wasn't it? Yeah, it's, the, the
2: facial hair can't weigh that that much. <laughs> it's one of those things where you watch the shows out of order, and it doesn't. I don't think it really occurs to you. But when we've done what we've done, where yeah, you watch them in yeah. sequence, and okay, we haven't seen him for six months, but God, yeah, he looks so much bigger than he did last time.
0: And and before he was relatively quick, you know. That he was, was agile, agile for his side. Yeah. Agile
1: for
2: his size, but now he's gassed walking to the ring.
0: I think yeah.
1: he's finally reached the tipping point. I think he's past the tipping point.
2: Fuji and Cornette are out also, so it's nice to see Cornette at the very least. Owen gives Yoko a hug, which I thought was beautiful yeah. and very <laughs> sincere. <laughs> Billy and Bart Gunn are backstage with their rat tashes, and Billy's promo is so fucking wooden.
1: It's terrible. Yeah. It? Like, just I think I've just got to put smoking guns cut a crap promo. Because yeah. I think he talks and then Bart talks and they're both as bad as each other.
2: But Billy's is just like delivered in such a monotone manner. Also, you know,
1: I find that Bart
2: Gunn's moustache suits him.
1: Billy Gunn's looks really out of place. The, the problem is, though, you, you probably don't know that much about Bart Gunn.
2: Yeah, you're more used to, more be, used to you know Billy Gunn without You know it. what Mr. Yeah. Ass looks like in 2001. Mm, true. True. The guns come out in slightly new outfits, and Lawler references Owen as the Blue Blazer at WrestleMania 5. Hmm. Yoko waves the Japanese flag for some booze. Owen and Billy start with a lockup, and Owen slaps Billy around the face and celebrates. Yeah, that's good. I'd celebrate slapping yeah. Billy Gunn in the face. <laughs> Owen goes for a leapfrog, but Billy stops and returns the slap. Fair enough. Yeah. Bart in and Owen does his arm ringer kip up and tags Yoko. It kind of gets an awe pop when Yoko comes in because I guess there will be people in this crowd that have never seen Yoko Zuna and yeah. Yeah, there's a sort of, ooh, sort mm. of, yeah. He
1: looks the business, doesn't he?
2: Yoko catches Bart for a one arm slam but misses an elbow drop. Owen gets back in and he bumps around for Bart before Billy comes in and they hit their Paul Scriven's approved double Russian leg sweep. Yeah, uh, again, oh, that's, <laughs> it's the symmetry of it. Yeah. It's brilliant. They then double drop kick Yoko out of the ring and a sort of, what I've got is the 3DB by the guns for a two on Owen. I really liked that.
0: Yeah. I, I thought it was very good. Particularly on a guy that size. Owen, oh, takes... sorry, was it on
2: Owen? It was on Owen. Oh, yeah.
0: Partic- particularly <laughs> if on they
2: a they guy... 3D Yokozuna, would amazing. A,
0: particularly on a guy Owen's size. Because <laughs> he's so massive. <laughs> he doesn't know why he's so massive. <laughs> 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 why am I... <laughs> I'm not even going to go there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Owen takes... The hard Brett chest first bump into the turnbuckle and the guns hit a side slam and leg drop combo. But Yokozuna is distracting the ref. Lawler references Brett being racist against the Japanese and I just haven't got time for that today. We'll discuss that next show. (laughs) I showed that clip to Adam. I said, Adam, come watch this promo. And you you were slightly aghast.
1: This normal Jerry Lawler, I don't like him, I don't like him. He did this, he did just And he's a racist.
2: (laughs) Why is he racist? Where did that come from? But yeah, we'll cover that next show. Owen drop toe holds Billy and Yoko drops a massive leg drop. That is a good little sequence as well. That uses Yokozuna to his advantages. It it was almost like, uh, you know, an upside-down Famous, wasn't it? On the outside, Owen tells the crowd, I'm a king, you all love me. Yeah, I like that.
0: But it's the way that he does it. It's that tone. Like, without
1: breaking stride, without thinking, it's like... It's so natural to his
2: character. Yeah. He knows the snotty little character he's the, playing inside out.
1: There's a way that he says king. Like, king is very sort of like... King. Sharp.
2: I'm a king. Yeah. You all love me. Yoko wears down Billy and holds him for an Owen dropkick, but Billy moves and Owen dropkicks Yoko. Billy gets the cold tag to Bart. There's not much of a reaction and he press slams Owen and pulls Yoko to the canvas hair first. Vince describes that as what a manoeuvre. They use that word a few times. The guns attempt a double team on Yoko, but Owen holds the rope and Bart falls out of the ring. A belly-to-belly and a bonsai drop on Billy. And did you catch Ooh. Billy's noise when he gets the bonsai drop? It's the no. sound of someone dying. He just goes like, Ugh! She's
1: just had 600 pounds the- dropped on your chest. The, the yeah. timing of the-, the whole spot
0: with... I oh, been pulling the rope down, and that belly to belly was massive in many senses. Yeah, belly to bellies. <laughs> yeah, but it was—it was actually. I love that move. Yeah, when
2: you can just—it's amazing. Bart, however, saves the pin, but Yoko disposes of him and Owen teases the sharpshooter, dragging Billy to the yeah. back of the ring, steps <laughs> his leg through, and then dickishly just, just pins him. <laughs> him. At nine forty two. Our new tag team champs are Owen Hart and Yoko Zuna. Owen jumps for joy and I thought it actually got a pop from the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing that there are, you know, a a certain element of Owen Hart fans there. Owen is so, so, so happy and is jumping for joy. Lola tells us that Stu and Helen will be jumping for joy if they could jump. <laughs> Which, yeah, they are pretty old. They probably don't do much jumping. I thought this was easily the best thing on the card so far. Very, very nice. Oh, I enjoyed it. It played to Yokozuna's strengths in the... Owen would do the work and then Yoko would come in and hit yeah. a big move, i.e. a leg drop or a I'll, bonsai drop or something like that.
1: So what I was thinking is that, you know, Yokozuna is too massive to do a singles match. He can't like can't keep up the pace. But yeah. you can have Owen do most of the work and then have Yokozuna just do his cool spots when he comes in. It actually worked really nicely. It does work nicely.
2: I thought the guns did some good double team stuff as well. Like I say, the the leg sweep, the 3D type manoeuvre mm-hmm. The side slam leg drop combo. So they they were pretty good in there.
1: I think, yeah, their real strength is their double team moves. Yeah. Are very nice and smooth. Yeah, you know what I'd like to see? Go on then. Smoking guns
2: having bodies. <laughs> <laughs> it happens on Raw quite a couple of times at least. I've definitely seen that match. To, I do, to I do, I do the quite fire. like of
0: smoking guns. I'm, I'm surprisingly impressed by them. I didn't think it, would
2: be... it was pleasing to see Owen get a belt as well. And I think there's a nice story going through there as well. That Owen is such a dick. He's chosen <laughs> his brother's like this guy beat his brother for the world title at WrestleMania nine. So I'm going to choose you as my partner. Yeah. There's a good dick story there going on as well. But he doesn't point out that he he lost to Bret at WrestleMania 10. No, he doesn't point that out, but that's irrelevant information. Stephanie Wyand tells us about the fan festival. You can meet the Bushwhackers, see Bob Holly's car... Play a Mega Drive game, sumo wrestle. Sounds good, good, to be honest. It's about on par with access these days. Yeah. Man Mountain Rock has a WWF-shaped guitar. there. we only saw a little bit of a clip of that, didn't we? But that
1: looks amazing. Like, the whole body's the WWF logo. Could you buy them? Probably not. Mm.
7: Vince McMahon, thank you very much. Bam Bam Bigelow has already said this is the biggest night of his life. Before we talk to you, Bam Bam, I want to take you back to where this whole incident began, the WWF Royal Rumble. After the tag matchup, if we could show that, let's roll that tape. WWF Royal Rumble in Tampa on January. There you are with Lawrence Taylor. And you shoved him. Well, you know, Lawrence Taylor disrespected me, and I'm not going to let no man
5: disrespect the beast from the East.
7: Didn't look like he was disrespecting. you. looked like he was standing up this past Tuesday, pre-WrestleMania workout in Times Square. Again, you attacked him, and Lawrence Taylor fought back this time.
5: I know, no, Todd. You got to get this right. You know, Lawrence Taylor attacked me there, but that's fine. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It's Sunday night, WrestleMania Sunday. I'm going in there, LT. I'm in great shape, and I'm ready to rumble, and I'm taking him down
7: let me ask you bam bam Bigelow, the media hype around this match has been absolutely huge, and most of the country is firmly behind Lawrence Taylor, even though he doesn't have the ring experience what kind of what kind of impact will that have on you psychologically listen, I'm not
5: worried about the fans I'm worried about bam bam Bigelow. Bam Bam Bigelow is not going to be known as the man that lost to Lawrence Taylor in WrestleMania 11. This is my world, Lawrence Taylor, not yours. I'm going to teach him a lesson.
7: Let's talk about LT's all-pro team. I talked to him earlier on today. They were on the Action Zone Live. There are LT friends all over this arena, seated in the front row, seated in the middle, seated in the back. You talk about the Million Dollar Corporation being there. Are Are you thinking about that confrontation at all? Well, you know, this is one of the matches, the
5: first time in my career, where I have to look over my shoulder. But I got the million-dollar team to take my back, Todd, and they are the biggest and the toughest in the World Wrestling Federation today. I'm worrying about LT. I'll let Mr. DiBiase worry about the all-pro team.
7: So you don't believe Lawrence Taylor, who has been training for this, has a chance against you? Here's a football legend going to the NFL Hall of Fame, and you say he doesn't have a prayer to beat you.
5: No, he doesn't. Like I said, this is my world. Bam Bam Big O is part of the World Wrestling Federation. Lawrence Taylor is just a flash in the pan. He's not coming in here. He's not going to make a fool out of me, and he's going
7: to go down one, two, three. The newspaper articles talking about it will be different tomorrow, regardless of the outcome. You will read about it as the media hype continues right up until match time. Let's go back to ringside, Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler.
2: Todd is backstage with Bam Bam Bigelow, and we see more Royal Rumble highlights. I'm starting to wonder if this WrestleMania is just a Royal Rumble highlight show. It's a pretty solid promo from Bam Bam, nothing spectacular, but he says he won't be known as the man who lost to Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania.
0: Good. hmm but uh, Good I, I I think he's all right on the mic, because you don't see a lot of him talking. Oh, I don't it's, think he was not spectacular, but He's solid on the mic, he's solid. Yeah, he's quite shouty. Cool.
2: Our next match is the I Quit match between Bret Hart and Mr Bob Backlund. On the 30th of January Raw, Mr Bob Backlund appeared as a guest on Jerry Lawler's King's Court. Backlund said that from now on he would no longer release the chicken wing from anyone until they said I quit Mr. Bob Backland. Lawler claimed that Backland could put the hold on anyone in the WWF. Well, a Apart from him, Backland took exception to this, and yes, Lawler got put in the chicken wing. This was a pretty fun segment. You watched this with yeah, me. As well, yeah, it was really nice. Awesome. Yeah. Bob Backland
1: is amazing in these things. Did he yeah.
2: say, I quit, Mr. Backland? He did, but then he later claimed that he meant, I quit this interview. And then Bob Backland <laughs> came back down the aisle. Lawler goes, Look, Bret Hart. Backland turns around, and Lawler runs off through the crowd. That does sound genius. (laughs) Yeah. Again, not much happened on television to set this match up. When Brett did appear on Raw, he was mostly concerned with an angle with his old foe Jerry Lawler, which again we'll cover in more depth next episode. Howard Finkel explains the rules of the submission match to us. Wait, wasn't the Survivor Series match the submission match? This, this is, nice, is the I quick match. match. Yeah. Yeah. He introduces our special referee, Rowdy Roddy Piper.
0: Right, I'm, I'm going to ask this because I don't know much about Rowdy Roddy Piper.
2: Okay. He seems to get a massive pop each time we see him. Yeah. But I find him really annoying. He is extremely annoying in this match. He's very good. <laughs> Piper promos from the 80s, especially when he's a heel, are absolutely brilliant. Well, I, I like those ones. The, the promos that he did for, for
0: the build-up for the, the Lawler match yeah. were the most entertaining thing that he's done. I mean, he's just so out there. But
2: really annoying here. Really annoying. Put it this way, at least he isn't wrestling Lawler. So. Yes. Yeah, my note as well says he gets pretty big pop. Mr. Backlund is out next and still with no music. I love his puffed-up walk. Yeah. with his I'm doing his shoulders. You can't is, see, but I'm doing, doing Backlund's shoulders. shoulders. Yeah.
1: Everything Backlund does in that sort of respect, his walk-up's really good. And uh, what is with his weird sort of hip-jiggling dancing
2: that he does when that. he gets in the rink? Yeah,
0: <laughs> but I mean, it's a good one. It's not Vince McMahon's walk. No, no, admittedly. I, if if, if everyone's feeling a bit down, I'll, I'll do a good Vince McMahon walk down the street. And that makes me feel a whole lot
2: better. I will say, although Paul Scriven's verbal impressions have been somewhat suspect, his Vince McMahon walk is, is spot on. Yeah. 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 He also did a very good Kane at some point, I think. Mm, I can yeah. do Kane. Brett is out next, and it's Brett Hart. Surely this would be a good match. WrestleMania's been not very good so far, but it's Brett Hart. It's Bret Hart, isn't it? Yeah, it is.
0: We, we do get a quick shot of the German announcers. Yes. Does anybody know the German word for manoeuvre? Manoeuvre. <laughs> <laughs> manoeuvre. <laughs>
2: have we ever talked about how awesome brett's music is i think we've said that we liked it but it really is amazing it is a great fucking theme paul you're gonna disagree you've got a face that says no no just i'm just kind of reliving it in my head oh okay he gets some fireworks as well straight into the match and brett works on backland to start before teasing the sharpshooter but backland kicks out and then for some reason roddy piper just immediately sticks mic in Backland's face. What do you say? Immediately.
1: Like, even when a submission hold's not being applied. And why is it a cabled microphone?
2: Yeah, that well, is Like,
1: they, they can give Petting a wireless mic, but they won't give someone that's actually in their event
2: yeah.
1: a wireless mic. I did wonder if they were going to use that uh, as part
0: of the match in terms of... Like a choke um, thing? Or? Well, tang- like an accidental trang- tangle or an
2: accidental trip. Mm, I thought awesome. they were
0: going to work that in, but
2: there's a very awkward exchange on commentary between lawler and vince where vince doesn't remember who brett beat at wrestlemania 8 he yeah, claims it was the british the bulldog, bulldog yeah. and lawler's like no it, it was roddy piper piper keeps sticking the mic in Backlund's face and the crowd laughs when he does it which is not the reaction you want and it's a wired mic yeah so he has to go over and keep picking it up we get a figure four from Brett and Bob sort of goes into the mic. Backlund twists the holdover and Piper sticks the mic in Brett's face. And yes, this is where we get the little shot of the German announcers.
0: They the, the also terms talk that the about this match in terms of it's going to be equal with respect to the scientific knowledge and skills. Yeah. So from that, I'm going to deduce that there's going to be a segment in the middle of the match where Bob can explain the carbon cycle in great detail, talking about... <laughs> respiration and photosynthesis and combustion but on the other side of things that brett would explain about the gravitational potential energy of bam bam bigelow standing <laughs> on the top rope
2: <laughs> i imagine bob Backlund could explain photosynthesis to
0: you well yeah i mean i mean what i was going to go into because i thought, I thought that in the head and i thought well let's do that calculation so gravitational potential energy <laughs> which would be we should be measured in joules is equal to the mass which is in kilograms, people confuse mass and weight all the time, but mass in kilograms times the gravitational field strength, which is measured in newtons per kilogram, multiplied by the height in meters. So I think the listed weight is about 177 kilos for Bam Bam. Gravitational field strength on Earth, it actually does vary where you are depending on the Earth, but I think a rough average is about 9.81, 10 if you want to do a rough calculation. And I was trying to find out what the height of the top rope in WWE is, and I saw a couple of times five feet. I don't know if that's roughly right or, or not, but that's about, that. it's about 1.5 metres, and that comes out to about 2,604.5 2, recurring joules. If you wanted to know about the gravitational potential energy of Bam Bam
2: Bigelow on the top rope. Oh, fuck off with your mic, Roddy Piper. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Paul. That was lovely. I also spotted with the German announcers. They watch the monitor really intently when they're right next to the ring. <laughs> you could just look up. <laughs> Brett works on Backland's knee, and seriously, Roddy, this isn't funny anymore. Go away. Do you think Piper just feels like he needs to be doing something? I think he's aiming for the Bruce Hart Award.
1: Yeah. 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 He's, well, he's succeeding, really, isn't yeah. he?
2: Backland reverses the hold and knees Brett in the face. Backland targets Brett's arm, and go away, Roddy Piper. <laughs> Backland stalks for the chicken wing but Brett retreats into the corner Brett gets whipped into the corner and Piper asks Brett if he quits Why?
1: Because he's took a whip into the corner Yeah. I mean, I mean There was a point I don't know if it was around this when Lawler just I don't know out of boredom decides that he's going to rip on Stu Hart a bit more and What's just, he say? He says that I broke into a pyramid and there was a picture of Stu Hart with a headlock on <laughs>
2: King Tut <laughs> <laughs> Backland puts an armbar on Brett, Piper asks. He kicks Brett, Piper asks. A hammerlock, Piper asks. Backland nods menacingly, Piper asks. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, Brett even sounds bored of saying the word no. Backland gets a standing armbar, and no, Roddy, honestly, Brett doesn't quit yet. Brett, out of nowhere, hits his backbreaker. That's not even a submission. <laughs> he still asks him if he quits. No quit. Sharpshooter, but Backlund spins to the ropes. Brett whips Backland into the corner and Brett charges, but Bob moves and Brett takes a hard bump shoulder-first into the post. Yeah. yeah. Backland teases for the chicken wing and slaps it on, but Brett holds on to the rope. Backland pulls the hitman back but can't quite cinch the move in. Brett suddenly reverses the chicken wing and Piper asks Backland if he quits. Brett drags Backland to the mat and Backland says, I quit, presumably in Klingon or something, because it certainly wasn't the word I quit in it English.
1: Was, it was just a noise.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah i'll I'll splice in the noise here because it's not the words yeah. I quit.
1: But I did love I loved the reversal of the chicken wing. I yeah. thought that was, it was smoothly done.
2: Piper calls for the bell anyway, and Brett wins at 9.34. And this is what happens to a match when you hamper good workers with a silly gimmick and an overzealous referee. Bruce Hart would have been a more inconspicuous referee in this <laughs> match than Rowdy Roddy Piper. And Lawler even rightly says on commentary, hey, Backlund didn't actually say I quit.
0: Yeah, and he also says at some points that Piper's getting on on the on my nerves. It's like mine too. Yeah, I agree with you, King. But, I, but also, I'm going, to, I'm going to point out that you might think that Stuart was overdoing it with saying Piper assem, Piper assem. You only mentioned like about a quarter of the times. I think.
2: Yeah, it's just after everything all the time.
0: It's like party
2: time all the time. It's I quit time all the time. <laughs> it's pi- Piper time. <laughs> no. I like that Brett won with the chicken wing, as it has been gotten over. That hold is inescapable, like yeah. That's really been put over. But yeah, this is an example of a bad Bret Hart match. And I kind of don't feel like it's entirely his fault. They haven't got a great deal of time, especially when you're doing a submission so, yeah. I quit match where it should build to something and last probably a bit longer than 10 minutes. And yeah, you've got Roddy Piper just acting like a dickhead as that, the referee. Well, that
0: ruined it for me. It's so distracting. Take, just completely distracting. And
2: like I say, the crowd laughs at it Yeah, when, he, when he's doing the I quit business.
1: If we said that give them 15 minutes, remove Piper... This would have been a good match, right?
2: Probably would have been a lot better. Could, could, yeah.
1: You could have the potential to actually be quite
0: good. Yeah. I, I like the potential storyline as well, you know, in terms of, I say, the chicken winning, and some even getting that over yeah. and having that as Brett winning with that. No problem with it. But the, the whole thing about him not saying, like, we well, it seemed to come, he's too fast, it's too short, and it came out of nowhere, that finish. Yeah.
2: We've seen three Brett Backlund matches now. Obviously, that first one on the TV match is fantastic. Yeah. That second one at Survivor Series had a really good story and had the Owen ending. And then, yeah, it sort of ends with this damp squib of a 10-minute of a I quit match. In Brett's autobiography, he actually describes this match as a farce and says that he knew prior the stipulation would lead them to stinking the building out. He also, yeah, criticised Piper for sticking the mic in their faces constantly. Sadly, this will be Backlund's last pay-per-view singles match. Back and we'll stick around for the next couple of years and we'll see him in skits and stuff and he's in a Royal Rumble. So he's not oh. gone and gone, he's he's around. But he's just off the top shelf. Yeah.
7: Bob, I never thought I'd ever hear you say the words, I quit. You said I quit, Bob. Bob, what did you have to say about it?
6: I saw it! Did you see the light
7: though?
2: JR speaks to Bob in the aisle who stares off into the distance and claims he saw the light. I'm presuming he means the end of this (laughs) (laughs) pay-per-view. Nick Totoro still isn't with Pamela Anderson. What a rubbish detective he is. He tells us there will be celebrity changes.
7: Ladies and gentlemen, standing by with Big Daddy Cool Diesel, WWF champion who will meet Shawn Michaels next. Psycho sit in his corner... Diesel, your frame of mind right now after Shawn Michaels said there is no way he's leaving here without the belt that's on your shoulder right now.
6: That's funny because that's exactly the way I feel. You know, they say that Sid's not going to be involved, but I've already played that role. I know exactly how Shawn Michaels thinks. I know what his game plan is. I'm not buying it. He wants a war. He's got one. Big Daddy Cool came here to do one thing, and that's to hold on to this belt. And let me tell you something, Shawn Michaels, in a few short seconds... Big Daddy's going to walk that aisle and he's going to show everybody why he's the World Wrestling Federation champion.
7: Big Daddy Cool Diesel, ladies and gentlemen. Psycho Sid not on his mind. You heard one goal to keep that belt. Let's get back to ringside.
2: Hmm. Todd is with Diesel and he cuts a promo switching between nonchalant and shouting. I think Diesel's promos are better when he's nonchalant. I think he's better at that. I'm getting into Diesel now. In what way?
0: In the way that I didn't think, when we started doing it, when we started seeing him, I really didn't think I'd like anything that he would do. And now I'm thinking, I'm looking at him, and thinking, he looks quite good. I think, and you're right, the nonchalant
1: look really cool thing really suits him.
0: But also I'm getting into his in stuff as well. Okay. Which I really didn't think would
1: happen. This promo, does he, he stumbles over his words in the transition between calm talking and shouting. Yeah. It's just almost like he runs over his words and then just says, oh, fuck it, and just shouts everything from then on. I don't know whether that was like a, I don't know, it just seemed like an odd transition. The transition's fine, but I don't know why there's all this burbling in the middle of it. He
2: needs shouting lessons from Sid.
1: Well, Sid's aren't exactly smooth, are they?
2: Match number six is our WWF world title match. It's Champion Diesel versus Shawn Michaels. Following his Royal Rumble win, Raw colour commentator Shawn Michaels was pretty pleased with himself. He said that following his Royal Rumble victory, everyone in the WWF was gunning for him and that he was on the lookout for a new bodyguard. On the 6th of February edition of Raw, Shawn quit his commentary gig as he felt he was too open to attack from that position. On the 20th of February Raw, Shawn finally revealed his new bodyguard was Sid. One piece of Vince commentary I actually really quite like is when Shawn introduces Sid in this segment, Vince delivers the line... What has Shawn Michaels done? And he does it in quite a way. Th- that's mm. quite convincing. I liked that. Diesel was very much presented as an amiable champion going into WrestleMania. And considering the history between these two, the build really hasn't been that intense and really just centers on that one segment with Shawn introducing Sid as his bodyguard. So, Sid, we all know Sid, right? The, the,
0: the best thing that I know about Sid, well, i say the best, the, the, the kind of most memorable thing, is that youtube video of his leg going that's that's kind of what i know about sid
2: well he's twice the man that you are and has half the brain that you do <laughs> Sid, <laughs> you've seen Is that, that promo, promo? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sid was last seen on WWF television at WrestleMania 8 when he lost to Hulk Hogan in the main event via DQ after Papa Shango interfered. Yes, Papa Shango interfered in a WrestleMania main event. Brilliant, but that's another story for another time. Sid, however, had failed a drugs test before the match, and following the main event of Mania and the company's European tour, Sid was told he would serve his suspension. Rather than do this, Sid chose to quit and go play softball. Sid would make his return to wrestling in May 1993 at WCW Slamboree. Sid's most notorious on-screen effort during this WCW run would be as part of the legendary debut of the Shockmaster. Ah, uh, hmm. yes. However, his greatest notoriety would come off screen when on October the 7th, 1993, in a hotel in Blackburn, Sid got into a bit of a barney with Arn Anderson, which ended up with both men stabbing each other with scissors before being rushed to the hospital. Allegedly, Sid had stabbed Arn 20 times, with Arn racking up a measly four.
0: It doesn't seem like something we should
2: be keeping score yeah. on. <laughs> allegedly the argument centered around arn claiming sid wasn't horseman material with sid countering that arn was never really a draw unsurprisingly sid was fired apparently several WCW talents have threatened to walk out if he wasn't, presumably fearing for their own safety, and also sticking up for the slightly more popular Arn Anderson. Sid would then head to the USWA in Memphis and feud with Jerry Lawler, where he won their world championship. Because he's nearly seven foot tall and jacked, Sid would be given chance after chance in the WWF and, well, everywhere. And I can't possibly introduce Sid to the podcast without mentioning something about bringing squeegees to bar fights and the glorious urban legend that he he had a pet squirrel that he took everywhere with him, and once bit his ballsack. <laughs> Hang on, <laughs> <laughs> you got to
0: you got to talk me through this. I don't know any of this. Which bit? Well, squeegee. Sort of.
2: So, allegedly, in 1991, him and Brian Pillman got into some sort of bar fight, and Sid went off looking for a weapon and came back with a squeegee. Excellent. <laughs> and yes, there is an urban legend that Sid had this pet squirrel that he took everywhere with him, and someone challenged him to keep it down his pants for a minute, and apparently, it bit his ball sack and he needed stitches. Well, it would go after your nuts, wouldn't it? <laughs> In the interim period between Royal Rumble 1995 and WrestleMania 11, Pamela Anderson had both met and married Tommy Lee. Adding to the urban legend discussion while we're at it is the story that Tommy Lee jumped Shawn Michaels from behind and had to be pried off by Sid. Not sure if it's true or not. From what I remember, it's not in Shawn's book, but I can definitely imagine 1995 Shawn Michaels saying something to piss off rock star Tommy Lee.
0: Mm. Yeah, but But also, is that a case of... Sid actually being his bodyguard?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, very possibly. Howard Finkel introduces our guest timekeeper, Jonathan Taylor-Thomas. Our guest ring announcer is incompetent backstage interviewer Nick Totoro. Sean's music hits and he's accompanied by Sid and Jenny McCarthy. Gentlemanly enough, Sean accompanies Jenny to her seat, sits her down, and then does his usual disturbing in-ring gyrations. Diesel is out next and he beckons out Pamela Anderson. Oh, he found her. Yeah, he found her. Dressed in what I'm pretty sure is that plastic laminate stuff you wrap school books in. Oh, yeah. I didn't think it was a dress. Adam, you and I disagreed on this. Definitely a dress.
1: <laughs> it's definitely a dress. She struggled getting in the ring.
2: Yeah, because she's
1: laminated. Well, he, he puts down the second rope, he puts down the middle yeah. rope. So she, What he should have done is put down the first That's rope so she um, could maybe duck under yeah, a bit. Yeah. Her dress was too far down to actually get over. Yeah. Open.
0: Well, you, you seem a bit of an expert on this how to get in the ring in the dress.
2: Yeah, <laughs> D- done it loads. Pam sits with Jenny. Diesel goes for Sid before the bell, and while Diesel is distracted, Sean charges and takes a back body drop to the outside. Already, the match hasn't even started, and Sean's taken the biggest bump of the night. That's exactly yeah. what I've written down. Pam gets in the ring and poses with the world champion as his pyro goes off. I do love the bit where the king is just talking about the home improvement kid and he says that that tux makes him look 10 years sillier. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. I did like that. To open, Sean runs around avoiding diesel clotheslines for a bit before eating a big one. Diesel beals Sean out of the corner and hits a big back body drop and Sean bumps off the turnbuckle to the outside and petulantly drags the photographer into the aisle as he sort of crashed into him. I
0: thought it was a good quick start to the match. Tremendous velocity.
2: Sean teases ever so slightly a super kick and tricks Diesel into running into the corner and he just basically sprints around the ring for Diesel for a bit. Sean goes for a suplex but Diesel reverses and once again Michaels takes a big bump to the outside but a bit more gently than his opening effort. Sid gets up on the apron and shouts at Diesel giving Sean on time to recover Sean slides through Diesel's legs to get back into the ring and tries for a sunset flip but Diesel crotches HBK on the ropes I like the slide to get into the ring through those it was very smooth I I don't think I've seen that before really Diesel misses a big boot and Sean clotheslines Diesel over the ropes but skins the cat to get back inside himself we get a top rope crossbody from Sean to Diesel on the outside again brilliant yeah a baseball slide keeps Diesel out of the ring, but Sean misses a second. Sean shoves more cameramen, and Diesel elbows the ring post, going for Sean. My other note here was, and I raised this to Adam before the match, but I especially demonstrated it during this point of the match, Sean missed a spot when shaving his back. So there is a slight tuft of hair yeah, like, on his back, under like one of his arms, three
1: armpits. by three inches square or something.
2: Don't ask me why I was looking. We get Sid Chance for seemingly no reason, out of nowhere. And off camera, either he's shouting at Earl Hebner or he's shouting back at the crowd. But we get Sid screaming, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I, li- I, li- I like to think it's in response to the audience.
1: There was kind of a halfway point through this match where I decided to note down who I believe are the most popular people in this match in due order, to, due to like the, the audience reactions. And I've got Sean, then Sid then Pamela Anderson, then Jenny McCarthy, then Diesel, then Hebner, that kid from Home Improvement, and the guy from NYPD Blue. It's not a good spot for babyface Diesel
2: to be in on that list. It's really
1: not, no, but there was a a usurper at the top, actually, further on in the match, because the most popular person, or the most popular thing in this match, was Shawn Markle's ass. That got the biggest pop.
2: Okay, that separate entity to Shawn.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's more popular than he is. Well, we we had it last WrestleMania, didn't we? Oh, yeah. It's always making an appearance. Mr. Saves, WrestleMania.
2: Saves- <laughs> <laughs> With Diesel down on the outside, Sean splashes Big Daddy Cool from the apron. Again, I like that. Mm. And we get some more Sid chants. Sid stalks Diesel, and Earl has words with the bodyguard. Diesel gets back in the ring, and Sean works on keeping the champion down. Sean hits Razor's second rope bulldog for a two, and finally we get some chance for babyface Diesel. I was starting to feel quite bad for him. Sean hits a nice springboard back elbow as well, and then some let's go Sean chants, so yeah, Diesel's back down. Again. Yeah. With Diesel down, Sean hits a huge elbow drop from the top rope for a two, quite a way across the ring. It was That, yeah, that, yeah. that was really good, and that was one of these... You just get some moves that are picture
0: perfect, and that really was the camera angle yeah. was perfect for it. Lovely.
2: Diesel eventually manages to push Sean off him and catches Sean out of the corner, but Sean pushes Diesel into the other corner, further injuring the ribs, and grabs a sleeper, knocking Diesel down again. Hebner lifts Diesel's arms for the three count, but he gets his arm up on the third drop, and again there's boos.
4: Mm, yeah. This
2: setup, this match isn't working well, it isn't spotlighting Diesel well as the babyface champion we talked about the Royal Rumble match where Brett played the slight heel role to help out Diesel Sean isn't doing that Diesel gets back to his feet and backs Sean to the corner Diesel takes over elbowing Sean in the corner and hitting Snake Eyes Sean channels his later 2005 Hulk Hogan selling <laughs> and runs across the ring. Michaels then takes the flare bump into the corner and outside where Diesel follows. Sean heads back in and Diesel follows again and we get to see his ass yes for the second mania in a row. Sean heads outside again, Diesel follows again and off camera Earl Hebner leaves the ring and apparently twists his ankle.
1: Yeah. That, that was a great mystery to yeah. me. How did that happen?
2: I mean, I've got to say,
1: they were in, out, in, out and
0: shaking
2: it all about. <laughs> you can you can cut that bet if you want to. Back in the ring, Sean hits sweet chin music and Sid lobs Earl Hebner back into the ring. Uh, I've, well, I've got to say at this point, it was good selling from Earl, but of course we'd expect that.
4: <laughs> Just normally in the parking lot instead of the
2: ring. <laughs> Sean covers Diesel and Diesel kicks out before the two count to absolutely massive boots. Yeah. Oh dear, babyface Diesel is fucked. In bad news, Sid has a knife.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just, you get that shot. Like, oh, he's got a knife, has he? That's <laughs> yeah, it's surely not the best idea. Thankf- Why can't he just undo it like everyone else?
2: Yeah, thankfully he only uses it to cut open the turnbuckle. Presumably, having half the brain of a normal human, untying knots <laughs> is uh, is complex That's
1: for him. But just thankfully, he doesn't do some frenzied knife attack on Diesel. <laughs> That would
2: be a horrible end to a WrestleMania title match. (laughs) Sid signals for Sean to use the exposed turnbuckle. Sean goes for another bulldog, but Diesel counters with a side slam. Sean staggers around, but Diesel grabs him by the legs for a takedown. Diesel then monkey flips Sean into the second turnbuckle. They're They're too far, aren't they?
1: Even Sean's amazing jumping can't can't make it to the top. But... He I sells say, it anyway.
2: Yeah, and the
0: camera positioning was great for that because you got you got the shot behind you coming straight towards, to him, straight towards you,
2: and he did make it look as good as it could have done. Yeah, yeah, like you say, the camera shot was great, but unfortunately, it also very much showed that he wasn't hitting the exposed turnbuckle. A big boot by Diesel, and he does his big lifting up his arm, taunt to huge, huge boos, jackknife, and Diesel gets the three at twenty thirty five very sloppy jackknife wasn't it sid drags sean out of the ring and diesel celebrates in the ring with the celebrities while jr speaks to sid i say speaks sid shouts what did you think to this match
1: i really liked it gotta be honest i don't think it like you said i don't think it did much really for diesel in terms of his popularity Um so from that perspective it wasn't great but it was very enjoyable to watch i always like to see sean markers bump around I think Diesel did a good job of lobbing him about. Yeah, I thought it was good.
0: Paul? I, I thought it was entertaining and decent. It was a bit overdressed with too many people again. I know they've got to squeeze the celebrities in somewhere and at the top of the card makes sense, but yeah. why can't we just have a match with Diesel in it and, and an opponent and that's it? Yeah. You, you know, so so much kind of window dressing going on here. But yeah, overall I liked it. The only bit that I didn't like was the finish. It was a sloppy jackknife and mm. it, it came
2: seemingly a bit quicker than I thought. It seemed a bit out of nowhere again. I honestly didn't enjoy this match as much as I expected to. Obviously, in doing my research for this show... You know, it's widely considered that this match saves the show, so maybe it was just set up a bit too much for me that this was going to be sort of a blow-away performance. The booking fucks them. The booking absolutely fucks them because it's undersized underdog heel versus dominant massive babyface, and it just doesn't work. Obviously, the the crowd ends up turning on Diesel and siding with Sid and Sean because Sean's the one sort of doing all this sort of running around the ring. Brett, in his autobiography again, says that Sean went out of his way to outshine Diesel in this match. And he describes Sean as Bugs Bunny outsmarting the clueless bull, if you've ever seen that Looney Tunes cartoon. It's sort of like Roadrunner and Coyote, I think, with with Diesel and Sean in this one, isn't it? The other thing at play here... took down my opinion of the match is Sean's pissy attitude. He's pissed off that Bam Bam's in the main event. He, He wants to be in the main event and he isn't. And he may have a legitimate claim to being there. We see that with him kind of throwing the cameraman out the way and having a bit of a legit strop. And this is very much a dichotomy we'll see going forward in 1995 is one part, Shawn Michaels, the incredible wrestler and performer, and one part, Shawn Michaels, the pissy, petulant child.
0: And, and this is the bit that I never had this knowledge of Shawn Michaels before yeah. starting this. I've always just had him as just revered legend, legend and didn't know any of the side of things. So it's one of the things that I'm enjoying seeing the performances, but I'm also, it makes me a little uneasy finding out some of these more sordid, type not sordid necessarily, but these details about him that don't show me in such a good light.
1: It's only going to get worse. I'll kind of soiling out. your image of him.
0: Yes, it is. Mm.
1: The one thing that I really didn't like in this match, I would say, was just the celebrity involvement. You've got what, you've got four celebrities in, yeah. All of them not really doing anything. Well,
2: Pam, mm. even at the Royal Rumble, didn't look like she wanted to be there, and she no, doesn't want there tonight. At least Jenny McCarthy looks like she wants to be there. She
1: looks like she's having a good time. Like no one talks. There's no real sort of like reasoning for them no, being there. Yeah. They're, they're just there, yeah you know you you the kid on the timekeeping. Why? Why? Yeah, literally. There's nothing.
0: I did quite enjoy the bit with him with Bob Backlund though. Yeah,
2: yes. Yeah. For but
1: for that one skip, that was quite good.
2: I mean, granted, yeah, Shawn Michaels' performance in this match is good. But like I say, just the setup of the match, they know they're fucked from the start. The big problem comes from the kickout. Reading Shaw Michaels' book, he says that what they wanted to do was have Diesel kick out at the very last second just before three. But Vince insists that Diesel kicks out before the two count their response to that was, no, it, it portrays him as basically fucking my finisher, mm. which the crowd then turn on and apparently, yes, when they go back through the curtain and they see Vince, Vince does say, no, you were right, he shouldn't have kicked out at one. Mm.
1: I would say that I really liked Sid. This I, th- on- I knew you'd like Sid. I, I as, I've, I've been really impressed by him so far. I've not seen him wrestle, but I think he's, he just looks like a nutcase. I think that's because he is. Yeah, but it really, it really works. If you want an intimidating bodyguard strolling around the ring, I think Sid's a perfect choice.
2: Allegedly, following this match, Brett adds, there was panic back stage and the plans for a Diesel-Sean rematch at the next pay-per-view were scrubbed, leading to the big postscript to this match occurring on the following night's April 3rd edition of Raw, where first Diesel appeared in an interview segment with Vince where he told Sean he was deserving of a rematch and that deep down he owed Shawn Michaels a debt of gratitude for bringing him to the WWF. He also said that Sid wasn't Shawn's friend. Later in the same show, the Heartbreak Kid was interviewed by Vince. He also said that during the match he couldn't forget his friendship with Diesel and that he accepted the offer of a rematch. Michael's closed with saying that he no longer needed a bodyguard, especially not one that caused an injury to the referee, and that when the rematch came, Sid could have the night off. Sid took exception to this and shouted a lot, before powerbombing Michael's during the commercial break, I might add. Sid was then ran off by Diesel, completing the face turn of HBK, although there were quite a few cheers for Sid during the beatdown. (laughs) So that's the end of Sean's initial heel run. He'll be a babyface going forward. How do you feel about that? Intrigued. Is it the right time for him to turn? If the crowd are wanting that and and the crowd
0: are reacting like that, I think you can you can try and stick it out. But I think take your cue from the crowd.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's clearly what they're they're doing here, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the, the crowd is the barometer which Vince is seeing how people should turn. I don't. I mean, I it don't... doesn't really keep that up.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the same today where you've got so many pressures and and the kind of. There's so much more information and the fans are a little bit smarter about things going on and it's least the company work in the crown and things like that. Mm, I think it's, it's a bit more pure at that time. So I think in that sense, for
2: them, that's the time to take their cue from the crowd. Yeah. I will say though, obviously turning babyface fucks Sean as he's then back down the totem pole, at least as a heel, he stood a chance of challenging Diesel again. Yeah. If he's then being turned face and Diesel staying face, well, he's not getting anywhere near the world title for a little bit longer. So there you go.
6: An unbelievable man magic- Oh unbelievable, unbelievable, come on. It's believable. Everybody saw what happened. This story in my life, huh? Come on. you got to be kidding me. I had him. I had to be the new World Wrestling Federation champion. He was out. I gave him some chin music, and he was out colder than a block of ice, and the whole world saw it. You may not like it, but you know the truth. When it's right in front of your face, and a heartbreak can't prove it to you tonight, I am the best. Oh, sure it is. Little chin music. Right there. It is over. Am I right? See, that. I'm going to say sometime, Pettigale, Highway just robbery. like when it comes to the World Series or the NCAA playoffs, there's always more than one umpire. There's always one more than, more than one referee. But tonight, of the world title at stake, one referee, and he's a bubbly fool. He falls and blows his knees out, and my man has to pay the severe price. And, brother, I'm going to tell you something, Diesel. You know... You were that far from losing your title. with this man, this man is not finished with you. You know something? I'm so sick of talking. I proved it to you right there. I shouldn't have to do it again. But you know something, Big Daddy Cool? If you're even half the man you say you are, you'll face me again, Jack. Come on! You know it, and I know it, and now the whole world knows it. I told you I'm the best, and tonight I proved it. And if I have to, I'll prove it again.
2: Todd is with Sid and Sean backstage. Sean does some shouting and calls his kick chin music. Yeah, Is that yeah. the first reference to that we've had as well? First I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah me too. Sid shouts about having multiple umpires and Sean wants a rematch.
1: <laughs> yeah, loved it.
2: There, there was a legitimate point in what Sid was saying there, I thought. But yeah. at the same time, the fact he's screaming it makes it all the more bizarre. <laughs>
1: I thought there was a really good promo from both of them, actually. I thought, you know, Sean sounded genuinely pissed off.
2: Sid sounded genuinely insane. Fair enough. It's time for our WrestleMania main event. It's Bam Bam Bigelow versus Lawrence Taylor. So we saw the big angle at the 1995 Royal Rumble, but did you really expect that would lead to our WrestleMania main event? Not in any way. Well, I I knew it did because it says so in Bob Holly's book. Ah, okay. I I actually didn't, and that's
1: why... Your car didn't contain it in any way. Yeah, because I really just didn't think that this is going to progress
2: to a main event slash yeah. on the 23rd of January episode of Raw following the Royal Rumble it was announced that Scott Bam Bam Bigelow had been suspended for 30 days see what they did there they mm. used his Scott Yeah. but would appear on the broadcast to apologise to Lawrence Taylor however technical issues prevented Bigelow's apology being broadcast on the following week's 30th of January Raw Vince McMahon did get to speak with Bigelow who claimed that at the Royal Rumble Taylor disrespected him and that athletes should respect each other. Instead of apologising however Bigelow challenged LT to a fight. On the 6th of February Raw Taylor replied via his lawyer who said that LT respected the industry but didn't want to be a pro wrestler. Bigelow returned from his 30 day suspension on the 20th of February Raw winning a squash match and calling Taylor a punk and a wimp and he said that he would take on LT anytime time and any place. On the 27th of February episode of Raw LT finally appeared via satellite where he mocked Bigelow for losing to a 13 year old and said he was undecided on how to deal with the Bigelow situation Bigelow then joined this primitive video conference call where he stuck up for the 123 kid and the new generation and challenged LT once again actually at this point in the build I actually thought LT was a bit heelish mocking one of the WWF's most popular babyface performers and being quite dismissive in general of Bigelow Yeah, kind of like when they brought in Mayweather and yeah. he was initially supposed to be a babyface but the crowd hated him so they did you know they turned it around on the 28th of february at the harley davidson cafe in times square new york the wwf held the wrestlemania press conference where it was finally announced that lawrence taylor would take on bam bam bigelow in the main event of wrestlemania in a somewhat odd ending lt kissed bam bam on the cheek (laughs) fair enough From here, Lawrence Taylor introduced his all-star team of Ken Norton Jr., Chris Spielman, Ricky Jackson, Carl Banks, Reggie White and Steve Mongo McMichael to combat the million-dollar team of Tatonka, King Kong Bundy, IRS karma Nikolai Volkov and Ted DiBiase having never watched a single game of American football in my entire life I have no idea who any of these people are with the exception of Mongo who would later go on to be one of the four horsemen in WCW I'm not joking Adam
3: and introduce (laughs) his
2: wife Deborah McMichael to the world of wrestling oh you see the link and to Stone Cold well presumably he didn't say here Stone Cold (laughs) this is my wife Taylor and Bigelow would have one last public brawl before WrestleMania at the WrestleMania public workout that also included Diesel, Luger and the Bulldog aiding LT against Bigelow and the Million Dollar Corporation. New York News at the time claimed Taylor was being paid $500,000 for his WrestleMania appearance. Although it was likely closer to 150,000, the other football players on LT's team each earned around thirty thousand dollars. Still, that's that's good money. For... So we're talking about probably oh. close to half a million just for those football players. Adam's face is a picture right now.
1: This company is not in the greatest position. Yep, and it's just bleeding money through having half an American football team in the main event.
0: Yeah, it's 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 actually hard to describe the look on Adam's face there. Yeah, but yeah that's actually... that just. Imagine Ronnie O'Sullivan's just, <laughs> just snookered behind a, a, a tricky pink and, and, and is not sure
2: what to do. It's kind of like that.
1: It's unreal because what, what, what do you reckon Bam Bam Bigelow's
2: paycheck is for this? It's only 850000 It's one of those things where I, I think Vince's theory is use those people to bring eyes to your product for that one time a year and you hope they'll stay that's the one logic i don't know as if well i know it doesn't work but
1: i didn't look into the rest of these footballers but i can almost see the logic in having Lawrence taylor there he is big big
2: news plus he's a new york giant which is just next to connecticut yeah yeah but did you have to have all the rest of them i guess so because they don't really do anything do they you could a- have at all he could have had like a baby face job team of like adam bomb and aldo montoya and bob holly as part yeah of his crew. and give
1: People that you're probably going to pay about two grand to to be yeah. in your main event yeah. rather than these 30,000-a-time footballers.
4: Yeah.
0: But the, the, I think WrestleMania is a risk, you know, it's a, it's a business risk, isn't it? It started off as a huge business risk if it didn't work yeah, out. Yeah, they were it fucked. Was, it have sunk the company. And I think it, you've got to kind of back your judgment. And, you know, sometimes it will work
1: and sometimes it won't. I but, think they've, they've had some success with bringing yeah. the odd celebrity in. Yeah, I just think there's just too many in this, Yeah, I think. I can see the logic of having Pamela Anderson in it. She's a massive, massive star at this point, and like I say, I can see the logic of having it, Lt in it. The rest of them, you could live would, without. Yeah, maybe that's just because I'm—I don't know—not so familiar with American culture and, and how yeah. they fit into it.
2: Vince introduces the million dollar team, and they all do a little jog to the ring,
1: <laughs> and th- th-
2: th- this Bundy <laughs> included.
1: <laughs> this genuinely shocked me when Bundy's coming out. He's—he's he's fucking running. He is, yeah.
2: That's yeah. amazing. It's bizarre. What's it all about?
1: The fact <laughs> that if, if they'd have all walked to. The ring, it would have just taken too long.
2: Yeah, but you... why didn't they come out as a group then instead? I don't
1: know. I don't know. And more to the point, what is
2: Nikolai Volkov wearing? <laughs> He's got like a printed T-shirt with a tuxedo on it, on a singlet or something. Uh, on the it's, back it it's... says "Property of the Million Dollar Man." <laughs> it looks awful. Yeah, he looks
0: awful. But <laughs> but there is a sign in the crowd that says it's the 1995 at Russellmath sign. Got them. It's Bam squared. <laughs> <laughs> So so well done to whoever made that sign.
2: Thank you. It made my uh, WrestleMania 11. (laughs) I'll have to find it and screen cap that. Next, that American football theme plays and the all-pro team come out. I'm not running through them all again because I don't care which one is which, apart from Mongo, obviously. I will say they do get good responses from the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, Pat Patterson is the referee. Remember what I said? Reliable, dependable Pat Patterson. Back with Chuck Norris when they have celebrities that don't really know what they're doing. Pat Patterson will guide them through it. Which is surprising considering his tenuous grasp of the English language. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they need a translator as well. Karma challenges Mongo and gets shoved off the ropes, as do all the other million dollar jobbers. We get some LT chants from the crowd before Bam Bam enters to slight booze and confronts Salt and Pepper. Yeah, he comes out and immediately lunges at Salt and Pepper. His music isn't WrestleMania main eventer either. Lt enters to cheers, and I'm guessing we've had the salt and pepper performance cut. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. they aren't. You know, they've got no reason for standing there. Apparently, Diesel has trained Lawrence Taylor, so you can expect some big boots and jackknives and flipping his hair. Yeah, and the other four moves that Jim Cornette says he knows. Taylor is unsurprisingly dressed as a football player. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker! It's this era as well of the double gimmick stuff, where you know Bob yeah. Holly is a wrestler and a race car driver. Duke Drosey is a bin man and a wrestler. You no, Lawrence Taylor is a football player and a wrestler. It fits. Hmm. Patterson helps explain the rules and all of the spots, presumably. They have a stare down to start and Bam Bam shoves LT. LT slaps Bigelow and the bell rings. We get a big shoulder block and a clothesline to the outside that Bam Bam mostly sorts himself. He takes the bump. Yeah. Bam Bam consults with his teammates on the outside as LT chants ring out. LT hits a surprisingly nice looking bulldog. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Although his fists are less worked, I would say. His punches look stiff. Yeah, But do you think
0: that Bam Bam, already said, just hit me? It's, well, see, it's...
2: I think that's why Bam Bam's in there, in that he's a big enough guy to look like a challenge to someone as big as Taylor, and he can actually bump around and make the stuff look good, as opposed yeah. to someone like a Bundy who isn't going to yeah. do
1: it. And I'd, I can imagine the conversation running up. you know, it's quite difficult to hit someone and not be hitting them, make it look real, but it's not so difficult to hit someone Yeah. so just do that because that will look better
2: yeah. than yeah.
1: anything else
2: LT leaps to the outside and confronts the million dollar team Bam Bam slides back in and takes over on LT with kicks Taylor fights back with fists and a clothesline but Bam Bam rams LT into the turnbuckle Bam Bam gets a not very locked in Boston Crab that turns into a one-legged crab as LT crawls for the ropes
1: it was a carefully applied yeah, Boston yeah. Crab I think lots of Bam Bam's moves in this are are done carefully so as not to actually damage this guy
2: Bam 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 turns it into some other sort of submission, and my note here says LT is way more competent at selling than Lex Luger has ever been. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. He actually makes it look like it's a struggle. Bam Bam goes for a headlock, but LT counters with a tremendous maneuver or some sort of side suplex
0: type yeah, thing. Yeah,
2: uh, again, you could
0: you could see that it's Bam Bam doing the work here, but it's done in a way that it looks
1: plausible. Yeah, yeah like LT kind of looks all right. I've I've seen worse matches.
2: Yeah. Bam Bam hits headbutts in a leg drop and goes to the top for his moonsault, which he hits, but rolls off, having apparently hurt his knee. Yeah,
1: it's a careful moonsault as well. It was not a complete flip over It's more like a, a, a twisting But that's, cool, how, cross-body. that's
2: how he does his
1: moonsaults, though, isn't it? He, yeah, he does... yeah,
2: they're not full like, uh,
0: angle. Hasn't he normally got a
1: bit, more, a bit more of a flip There's on a it? There's a bit more
2: of an arc, but... Yeah, I, I think see he was, your I think, point I think and was, I see Paul's
1: point. He was watching very carefully about where he
2: was landing. Yeah, there yeah.
1: There's to be no risk. But I couldn't work out how he's supposed to have injured his knee doing this.
2: No, considering he does that most matches. He crawls back over to LT for a two count. LT's kick-out, however, does get no response. LT hits some sort of falling back thing, which Vince calls a jackknife, but in no possible no. reality ever is a jackknife. It's, like,
1: it's the position for a pile-driver, isn't it? But yeah. then he just throws him back. Throws him back. Like, I mean, it, it looked all right, but Yeah, it, looked it all right. wasn't a jackknife. I, I, no. thought,
0: I thought it looked like he was trying to do something, realised that he couldn't lift him up, and then they just
2: both fell down. Yeah, pretty much. Bam Bam hits his Gammon geary and some more headbutts. He jaws with the football guys and goes to the top rope, hitting his headbutt, which LT kicks out of. So we've kind of... Well, Bam Bam sold his own first finisher via injured knee and then LT's no-sold his other finisher. LT hits some punches and shoulder charges in the corner before hitting a pair of forearms. LT then goes to the second rope and hits a third forearm for the three at 11.42. Fireworks go off as the football guys join him in the ring. DiBiase shouts at Bigelow in the aisle about the loss and WrestleMania just sort of ends.
1: Yeah, there's no No, no video package. Yeah, it's just, just done. That's it. What did we think to this? I've got to say, much better than I was expecting. I thought it was all right. Yeah, it it, it wasn't one of those things. It's
0: not. Don't get me wrong. This is not a show stealing WrestleMania main event match. But if this match was, you know, you know, halfway up the card, you'd be thinking, "Oh my god, that is a brilliant performance from Lawrence Taylor." Bam Bam Bigelow's done well, and in terms of what they had to work with. They've done
1: as much as they could with that. Yeah, yeah. It, it could have been a complete disaster, oh, Yeah, and that's what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be shit
2: when they tried stuff that was a bit too complex, like the power bomb. If it was supposed to be a power bomb, it failed. But when they did simple stuff it worked that, yeah. that forearm he hits off the second rope looks really good it looks really good and it looks slightly different to
0: kind of how a traditional forearm looks presumably because he's had less training yeah but it kind of
2: works because it's unique yeah and, and looks stiff and strong I thought yeah genuinely it was better than it had any right to be oh definitely yeah yeah definitely. For a one-off performance by a celebrity, I think Mayweather is very much the top standard as that match with the big show. Yeah. You know, is widely yeah, it's widely really, regarded as really good. A, a very good use of a celebrity. But you know what? This isn't a million miles removed from yeah. it. Lawrence Taylor was all right. He's got the kind of look of... He looks like... Well, he is a yeah. professional athlete, so yeah, yeah. he looks like he,
1: give, a big give, man. Given a year or so's training, yeah. he could be a pro wrestler. Yeah. I think, you know, no problem in that. And, and looking a bit more into the backstory of him and like his, his playing style and things, he would probably fit in quite well. Very reckless, very, you know, will work through pain.
0: Well, you know what? They could do the opposite. They could do some kind of wrestling
1: football kind
0: of link. I think what, that was my, my very. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My very first note is that in you know when when Vince is talking to Jerry Lawler right at the start, yeah, and I think Jerry Lawler says something about this is football meets wrestling, yeah. I've got no down. Does something click in Vince's head? (laughs) (laughs) Hang
2: hang, hang on a minute, I can do that. I can do that in another five years. I thought, yeah, in a perverse way, I was quite pleased for Bam Bam getting a WrestleMania main event. It's not like you know, he's been built up and he's challenged for a title and, and he's had a good moment but at the same time there are very few people that can say I've main evented WrestleMania and and he was now one of them. Yeah. That that was the problem with the story in general though is that he's very much been plucked from the mid card and put into this spot for a very specific reason and he'll probably go back down into that. It's probably
1: yeah. safe and logical. He can cut a good promo on it. Yeah. He can work very well. He can take a good bit of a battering if he needs yeah. to. He's, he, and it's not it's hard to say for Bama, but it's not a massive casualty for him to lose it. Rather no. well, than if you have one of your top tiers, if you have Diesel lose to Lawrence Taylor, it becomes something yeah. much different. I mean, the
2: ultimate casualty is, yes, a certain performer gets pissy about not being in the main event and maybe cuts off Bam Bam's push somewhat. Yeah. There mm. you go. And with Bigelow's loss, the corporation are Owen 5 so the streak continues. <laughs> Overall opinions on the show, the wrestlers were presented as secondary to the celebrities and they performed as such. My other note on this is this is the last pay-per-view I watched as a child. So I'm unsure as to whether it was puberty that got me stopping watching wrestling or whether it was just this pay-per-view. This was not a good pay-per-view. Paul? I have different feelings. And its I didn't think this
0: was a good WrestleMania. I'm going to make that clear. Did I think this was a terrible pay-per-view? No, I didn't. I didn't think it was a great one. It? It, it was meh. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, I thought there were some interesting things on it but I went into this thinking this was going to be an absolute disaster to watch, horrible to watch and I'd hate it all and I didn't and I don't know if it is that this is kind of almost legendarily bad supposedly is is kind of what I understood it to be and I didn't feel like this was an absolute shocker, I didn't think it was good but having it be a Wrestlemania and not be an amazing showcase obviously it is disappointing from that respect but just as a wrestling
2: card, it was average Yeah, Yeah, I mean you may have a point there as far as WrestleMania's go, it's definitely among the bottom few. But it, if it was a random in-your-house or something, would it be a bit better regarded? Probably. I think the problem is just the focus is not on the talent. Like I said at the start, I get that Vince hasn't necessarily got a ton of confidence in his roster at this point, and he wants the rub off the celebrities, but... I don't think anyone takes anything from this. No one goes on to be a big mainstream star as a result of this and no main event talent is born out of this. You know, we've discussed Sean's turn and he kind of goes back to the midcard and takes another year to get to the top.
4: Yeah.
1: From Adam. the, the celebrities' point of view, for the most part, it was probably quite a nice fun day out and, yes. a, and, and a good And pay, a, nice pace, and a good yeah. payday. But does it do anything for the people that have got to work that business as a regular thing? Yeah. Pro- probably not.
2: And it's a pay-per-view with a bad Bret Hart match and you don't really get many of those. When he can't save a show, there's not much positive to be taken from it. I would outright go so far as to say don't watch this show. I don't know if, Paul, you... No, no, I, th- I think for somebody like me as well, it's, it's, I think it's
0: different for for you given the amount of wrestling that you watch, how much you know of the history. For me, this was hi- kind of like historically interesting. And doing yeah, it's whole, a curiosity, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think there's there's little nuggets of things that make made it interesting enough for me to watch.
4: OK,
2: well, let's do the rounds then and wrap up. Adam, match of the night and MVP. I give the
1: match of the night to the Sean Diesel match. That was by far and away the most enjoyable match for me of the night. I'd give a special mention to the um, tag titles match as well because I, I did really quite enjoy that. But I think there was a lot going on in the, in the world title match. Sean did a really good effort. I think Diesel did a really good effort even though he really didn't reap many rewards out of the match as a whole. Yeah, and I think Sid was really excellent around the outside.
0: Paul? I'd probably have to go for the title match being the the best match match by tonight. In terms of MVP, it's a a tricky one, but I almost feel that Bam Bam Miglowe deserves it in terms of he must have had quite mixed emotions about doing that it's probably you know being in the main event of Wrestlemania is something that every wrestler will dream of but you would never dream of it being in that circumstance context yeah. you would You would also never want it to be losing it to a non-wrestler but the fact that he did it and I think he did a good job of making LT look good I think props to him Okay. Um, so it's for a slightly different
2: reason to the usual ones but I, I think he deserves a lot of respect for doing that Okay. how about you Stuart? match of the night I'm actually going to go for the tag title match like i say the sean diesel match i think maybe been built up too much for me as a show stealer and while sean's performance was very good i just it wasn't what i expected to be whereas the tag title match was pleasantly surprising i've Mm. never been the biggest fan of billy Gunn, same as you adam Mm. but they had some nice double team stuff going on there owen's character stuff was amazing as usual and it played to yokozuna's strengths and also, teasing the sharpshooter and then just covering someone was, yeah, was that, fantastic dickishness. It was a it, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't nice little match, yeah. yeah. MVP. There's a couple of names I'd like to mention here. Sean. Yeah, his performance was really quite incredible in terms of running around Diesel, but he did kind of make him look a bit shit. Sid. Sid for shouting a lot into the camera (laughs) and generally being a scary motherfucker. And just Bob Backlund's backstage segment deserves him a nomination for it as well, for screaming in that kid's face. And yeah, I wish he'd chicken-winged him. Adam, mullet of the night. Well, I've not really mentioned haircuts and all for No, you haven't, no, actually. I've, I've, I've We've doing. had a lot to discuss.
1: I've, I've kept it on the down low, but yeah, there's been a lot going on in this. So I didn't want to sort of like pollute it too much with talk about hairstyles. And as you pointed out, I'm not a big fan of Billy Gunn, but in this pay-per-view, <laughs> I was a big fan of his hair. Right. So, yeah, it, it was. It was. I'd describe it as a sleek, crinkly mullet. Very nice. Very unusual. Although, it's not to say that Bart's isn't isn't a wonderful style as well. But I only give it to Billy.
2: One thing I pointed out to you while we were watching was Tatonka's. To
1: I like what Tatonka's hair is becoming, but I'm waiting to see if it becomes anything greater before I give it. Waiting for
2: its next evolution. Yeah. Okay. Fair also, I
1: mentioned Todd Pettingill's mullet. Oh
2: God, yeah. Has
1: <laughs> it's the same as last time, but it's not plastic now. He's changed his product, mm. so it looks like a bit more of a matte fit. It doesn't help him be any less of a twat.
2: He
0: spends a whole, the whole evening, I mean obviously he's got to wear headphones because he's on the mic, I get that, but it's just, there's such big ones, It looks like he's listening to his Walkman. <laughs> he
1: probably is.
0: But, but I believe you've now got a new Twitter account up and running.
1: Yes indeed, and uh, you know, if you want to get the occasional picture of fantastic wrestling hairstyles, then follow
2: at Wrestling Mullet. I understand Paul, you've got some sort of Twitter to do with maths. Yeah. yeah yeah i've I actually
0: <laughs> i started it a while ago it's, it's called at WrestleMaths. all right
2: okay um, i'll have to write that down so i don't yeah. forget
0: oh if <laughs> in the future i'll try and just drop it drop it episode, in a bit more yeah, episodes, yeah, yeah yeah
2: that wraps us up for wrestlemania 11 what an experience that was you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash new generation project podcast we are also on twitter at the slightly simpler new gen podcast we're also on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash podcast. and there are a few other ways to listen to the show as well. We're on Stitcher Radio if you just search for us there. All of our episodes are on piledriverwrestling.net. And we're currently going through the process of posting our older episodes up on Botchamania. So if you've just found us and you want to catch up on some of the earlier ones, you can find them there. And as ever, you can rate, review and subscribe in iTunes. And I must say, we've had a real deluge of nice reviews on iTunes as of late. And it's always a pleasing experience, isn't it, Paul? Whichever one of us notices that review first, yeah. we'll send a message to the other one going, oh, we've got another review on iTunes. Yeah,
0: and, and the people have written some lovely stuff. And we've also had some really lovely tweets from, from people and, and we really appreciate that. So thank you very much. And in time for anybody who's got into contact with us, we
2: enjoy it. Yes, it, it's, it's all good fun. Episode 14 will be the first monthly budget offering pay-per-view from the World Wrestling Federation. It's in your house one. All that's left to do then is say goodbye. My name's Stuart Brooks. Goodbye. I'm Adam Arch. Goodbye. And I'm the Axiom, Paul Scrivens. Goodbye. Be, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: my new nickname. <laughs>
1: Good.
0: I guess now it's time For you to give up I feel it's time Got a picture of you beside me Got your lipstick, ma, my still I'm the Your Your cup, sorry.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. Got a
4: fist of
0: pure emotion. Got a head of shattered dreams. Got to leave it, leave it
1: in behind me now.
4: Whatever I did, whatever I did, I didn't mean it. I just you want you What's back to
0: Want you back? Want you back? Want you back for good?
4: Whenever I'm wrong, just tell me the song and I'll sing it. You'll be right.
0: I understand. Want you back? I want you back. I want you back for good. But where? But underlines? Figure out the story. No, no. it wasn't good. But in the corner of my mind, boy, it adds vertices. I celebrated glory. <laughs> but that was not to be, or not to be. Best of separation, you excel. Talking spreadsheets at being free. Can't find a little room inside for me. I'm deviating from the tune. It's deliberate. It said, whatever I did, I didn't mean it. I just want you back for good. I want you back for good. Whenever I'm wrong, just tell me the song and I'll sing it. It's pretty much what I'm doing with the show at the minute. People are just letting me know what songs they want. And I've given a few ago. What happened with my hummus? Together! This time is
4: forever.
0: We'll fight in and wherever <laughs> we will be. I can't read now. <laughs> so, complete in our love, we will never be uncovered again. <laughs>
4: Whatever happened, whatever I did, didn't mean it. I just want you back.
0: More embarrassing now. Want you back? Oh yes. Whatever i am wrong, just tell me the song and I'll sing it. I don't like songs with swearing in though. <laughs> want you back? Back.
4: Uh-huh. tell you.
3: Conservative dancing doing now.
0: There's words to the song, I'm just not
4: singing
0: <laughs> you back, you good.
4: Oh
0: yeah. it's time to stop singing the song. Mm. Apologies to take that, fans. (laughs)